0: You're Let's listening <laughs> to the Plane Talking UK podcast, a UK-based podcast written by a passenger to anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello, and welcome to episode number 73 <laughs> oh, of the Plane dear. Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings, and with me is a very stressed <laughs> Matt Smith. Yes, yes, indeed,
1: very stressed. It's all gone horribly wrong. <sighs> you can tell we're not used to doing
0: it live, can't you? <laughs> I tell it, it, it there's, I, I mean, the film Gremlins has got nothing on it <laughs> and the troubles we've had yes, today.
1: Ironically, it's the cameras that haven't been causing us the problem. They've really? been fine this time round. Yeah, it's, okay. uh, it's it's the bit that normally does the podcast that's been playing up. But anyway, never mind. Shall we stop staring at a graphics? Shall we let them know what we look yeah, like? Yeah, let, let, let,
0: make okay. us live, make oh, us live. All right, okay,
1: let's go with you yeah. first. We might need to make some uh, adjustments to the camera. I've got a <coughs> touchscreen monitor here, which is confusing me as well, so this should be fun. Ooh, ooh, here we go. So there's Carlos, look. Do you want to just adjust... Uh, just lift that camera up a little bit, please, Carl. Because all we oh. can see is the top of your. I don't oh. know. That might be alright, actually. Up a bit, up a bit. There we go. Uh, that's is that better? Oh, uh, well, it is. Oh. Is that better? Uh, well, it'll do. It'll do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll go to me. He says, "No, it's not working. Oh, this is this is not going to work, is <laughs> it?"
0: I have to say, I'm, I'm looking on. I'm looking on YouTube, Matt. And I can't actually see us on there. That's a that's a worrying thing. Oh really? Yes.
1: Yeah, it might because it because it is like a minute behind. So don't um, oh, okay. don't worry. It will hopefully appear. There, there we go, go. There's me. <laughs> oh,
0: good. So you are actually there.
1: I am indeed. And then finally, a wide shot. We'll try and be a little bit more professional as we get on. Once we get the <laughs> show underway, everything will be hunky dory. Uh, so hopefully, you are watching us live on YouTube uh, yes. if you're up for it. Obviously, the podcast will be available from the usual channels. Lots of things to share with you today uh one of which is including the announcement and launch of
0: our new website yes we have well sorry we have matt <laughs> matt has been uh striving over the last week to uh, make us a wonderful new website which he has done he's managed and it looks lovely
1: it really does <laughs> it does it does i'm really, yeah. really pleased with it you're gonna have to tilt your camera down you've oh, moved it again oh i moved it again <laughs> sorry <laughs> we'll, we'll get this all ironed out eventually i promise but uh Yes, well, it, as you can see, it's going really smoothly. Um, <laughs> that'll do, that's nice. Is that OK? It's going really smoothly. We've got the wide so. shot there. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, we're going to break with tradition slightly. We're going to do com- our commercial segment, uh, first of yes. all. We're then going to do our re interviews, just so that we have a chance, because it is live today. Uh, so we've got a chance to have a cup of tea. Uh, and uh, Mum can uh, get dinner on, obviously, because otherwise I should be eating late, and that really won't do. Uh, and then, of course, uh, it is... Uh, Uh, our our military section as well and then any shout outs um along the way today obviously because it is live and on that note i know that uh watching somewhere in a little place called whirlingham up the road and it was his birthday um it was my birthday last week it it was your birthday last week yes i know but you get lots of um you know you get lots and lots of uh, shout outs and things anyway because you're a dj and you can shout out to yourself uh but uh Yesterday, a little chap by the name of Tris, bless him, he had a birthday party and I know he's watching this morning uh, at home on his television, so uh, I'm just going to give you a little wave, morning, morning Tris, and uh, I hope you enjoyed your birthday party yesterday. I know uh, Daddy was making lots of noise with the speakers that he borrowed from Carlos, um, taking out most (laughs) of the windows, but uh, seeing the pictures on Facebook, it looks like you had a really good time, so anyway, happy birthday Tris. Oh yes, happy birthday, Tris! Hope you enjoyed the music,
0: which oh, I'm yes, yes, sure your yes, father yes. supplied very well. He, he did,
1: apart from the fact that it was only a two hour two and a half hour party, and he prepared a five hour playlist. But all oh, you know. right,
0: okay. <laughs> was that a, was that an uh, eclectic playlist? I,
1: I, I dare, dare say, no. Know, knowing with the, knowing the rusted household, yes, yes, very much so. He he's also he's the guy that does our voices, by the way. Yes, on, he on is. New yeah, channel, yeah, yeah, So yes, uh, so all part of the fun. Anyway, so, enough of all that. If you are watching live on YouTube, <laughs> don't forget. Um, we have got um, uh, the, the 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 chat up and running, so we want your messages coming in. Yes, uh, do thick messages and fast. Uh, but um, what's your name? Carlos, <laughs> Carlos should hopefully get those. <laughs> yeah, so, we'll
0: we'll mention uh, right, uh, Philip Davis and yeah. Ray Davis. Um, Philip is uh, in Torquay, so uh, <laughs> I, I hope it's as sunny in Torquay as it is here because it's very nice here today. Yeah, absolutely, it is yeah. Rather bit, warm in a bit warm in here. Warm in, yes, it's warm in here. <laughs> That's the joys of the conservatory studio. Yes. It's
1: it's a tad warm in here.
0: And maybe, ma- mash, Masha Gertz, I think. I hope i pronounced your name right, Masha Gertz. I hope I uh, pronounced that right. Um, hello to you. You can't. You're unable to stay, but uh, um, I wish us a good show. Oh, so. that's very kind. of Yes, thank okay. you very much. So
1: we're just going to we just going to uh, switch across. So you can you can just see in the background. Then that we are in the conservatory studio. If you're watching on YouTube, oh, and yes, you can see are. a lovely vi- lovely shot of our gardener and uh, and that. Yes, absolutely. It's lovely. lovely outside. It is lovely outside. Right, anyway, enough of all this chit chat. Let's uh, get
0: down to what we're supposed to be doing. And yes. that is is our show. Yes, yeah, so we have got loads of news stories for you this week. Mm. Uh, as uh, Matt said, we've got lots of interesting news. And we've also, like we said, we've got the third instalment yes. of our uh, interviews from React 2015, yep. which is good. Uh, we've got some military news and just a few shout outs and stuff. And uh, yeah, that's going to be episode 73. So. We're going to start the show, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So, if you're
1: ready, Matt. Uh, Absolutely not. I couldn't be less
0: ready if I tried. (laughs) Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story then on the business traveller side. Don't laugh. <laughs> I
2: can't help it. I can see what they came
1: to I know. See Okay, It's Thank probably you. just as well. Otherwise, you'd be doing your hair the whole time if you could see the feed, to be fair. Uh,
3: okay.
0: <laughs> the, the business traveller <laughs> site then. Uh, Virgin are to retire their Boeing 747-400 at Heathrow in Feb- uh, February next year. Uh, Virgin Atlantic has moved for the date uh, it will operate its final Boeing 747-400 aircraft out of London Heathrow by two months. Uh, The airline will now fly its last two Boeing 747 services from London Heathrow uh, to Miami and New York on uh, February the 20th and the 21st, which is next year. It had previously scheduled the aircraft to retire uh, on April uh, next year and uh, May as well, but Virgin will continue to operate the 747 out of London Gatwick. Uh, The carrier will also roster a 787-9 Dreamliner aircraft from London Heathrow to Miami as uh, VS-005 and VS-006 between February the 21st and March the 22nd. And to New York JFK as VS-045 and VS-046, five times weekly from January the 21st. A three forty six hundred aircraft will operate Virgin Heathrow to LAX route between October the twenty fifth and December the twentieth, and to Newark for the entire winter season. Now, this mm-hmm. is uh, obviously part of uh, Virgin's plan to kind of uh, phase out gradually the um, the Boeing seven four seven, which mm-hmm. is which is unfortunate, I think, really, because it's a lovely aircraft, and mm-hmm. um, you know it's a shame to see these birds sort of gradually being phased out. But obviously, they're going to keep. Flying these uh, to to Gatwick uh, from Gatwick and that, which is good. So we're still going to see the um, Virgin livery on the um, Boeing seven four seven for for a few more years mm. to come anyway. Yeah. But uh, I know that a lot of uh, um, airlines around the world are phasing them out because they have four engines, and obviously yes. things like the triple seven uh, and the Dreamliner, which are of a similar ish size mm. aircraft, obviously a lot more. Economic to run, Ride, Yeah, and cheaper to run.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I guess in sort of you know tough times, you you can't can't be surprised really. that That's
0: exactly you know
1: why why they're doing that really. But uh, yes, it's um, as you say, it's just a shame to see it leaving leaving the skies essentially. But um, yes, anyway, on to the next story and. Uh, it's, uh, we're definitely going to have to get somebody else to come and press the cameras. It's far too know, distracting. Anyway, leave that with me. I, I know. So I should just stress: uh, my phone's going nuts. Unfortunately, my phone is actually uh, stuck up on the wall, operating as the wide shot camera. So, if you are sending me text messages when we play out the rear interviews, I will actually look at them. So, apologies if you're sending messages and I'm not responding um, because I'm a bit busy. So, send any messages to via the YouTube app so that Carlos can see them, and then we can read them out. Anyway, on to the next story. And as per usual, I've been lumbered with yet another rhyme. Um, because i think basically <laughs> carlos is trying to make sure that i can never ever get on an a Ryanair airplane ever again so uh, anyway the story is uh, how did ryanair become ireland's favorite airline uh, and this is on the independent website and the story reads um i don't know because this oh no you need to hold on let me just <laughs> let me just sort that out for we've you. we've got there. some kind of weird quiz thing there we Oh, go. there we go that's there we right. go that's fine i was being asked to do a survey which is very rude anyway, i know Thanks for that, The Independent. Anyway, uh, everyone was suspicious when Ryanair's Michael O'Leary announced a couple of years ago that the airline uh, uh, everybody loved to hate was going to start being nice to passengers. But with record passenger numbers and uh, budget... uh, um, and swelling profits has Ryanair really changed for years Mr O'Leary has been telling his own customers to F off oh that's nice uh, <laughs> if really? they had a problem with being stung for extra for high extra charges because their bag might have been a few ounces heavy or that they hadn't been able to print off their boarding pass at home a, pivot, a pivotal change in um, Ryanair's relationship with uh, its passengers appears to have been reached in 2013. In September that year, the airline was the centre of a media storm after it emerged. It had uh, charged a surgeon working in Ireland €188 to change his flight back to the UK after he learned his wife and three children had been murdered in a house fire there. Ryanair later apologised to the surgeon um, and refunded him the fee. Uh, And... uh, The more considered approach to its customers combined with new routes and services, Michael Michael O'Reilly conceded that uh, changes finally were beginning to pay off. Last week, the airline revealed that it carried a record 10.1 million passengers in July. It's on track to carry 103 million in the 12 months to the end of next March. Mr O'Leary has long boasted that Ryanair, not Aer Lingus, is now the real national carrier. Yet while Ryanair was carrying more passengers, many people still felt, and still frequently feel, that they were home once they stepped onto an Aer Lingus plane. With Ryanair, they often felt that they'd still got one (laughs) onerous journey ahead. But the outspoken airline chief and his staff are working to change that, and with Aer Lingus being bought by British Airways owner IAG, Ryanair will arguably have even greater claim to being the only true Irish national carrier. Even Aer Lingus stumbles from time to time. Last month, an 81-year-old Gal- uh, Galway woman, Sheila O'Flynn, claimed that she had a nightmare experience with her Aer Lingus journey during a journey to the Caribbean via Gatwick. For Ryanair, there though, try that again. For Ryanair, though, their conversion was a long time in the making. In an interview with the Irish Independent in 2014, the then Chief Operating Officer, Michael Crawley, said the debate about the change had been going on for years uh, in the airline's boardroom. My job is to sell all seats, so I was very concerned, he said. "um, "They would have been a sense for people like myself and others who said, you know, we offer to do best, um, to do better if we have a different approach to customers. But on the other side operations wanting a clean clinical operation but the change did come Uh, allocated seating was one of the first big changes the Ryanair then Ryanair allowed people to bring a small second piece of cabin luggage free of charge in-flight baby bottle warming was made available and a slew of charges that passengers hated started to be cut Ryanair which celebrates its 30th birthday this year has uh, seen how profitable Um, being nice to customers was for rival EasyJet and knew it was missing a trick. If only I'd known that uh, big... Being nice to customers, <laughs> really? Why is this such a shock? If only I'd known that being nice to customers was going to be uh, so good for my business, I'd have done it years ago, said Mr O'Leary, who, star- who last year signed up to remain as chief executive at the airline for at least another five years because he was so enthused about the changes. It also means a big financial return from Mr O'Leary. Uh, he has made about €250 million Euros from Ryanair, though share sales and special dividends paid by the airline Uh, That's not even including his salary. His own 3.7% share uh, of um, Ryanair, a holding that's currently worth 647 million euros, the value of his stake has clearly doubled in a year. So has Ryanair really changed? It uh, sports itself with a self-styled, always-getting-better campaign. Well, it seems the Leopard has shape-shifted into something cuddlier. But uh, as with any business and especially one flying 100 million people a year, there will always be incidents that uh, could have been handled better and customers who will have received a poor service at one time or another. Ryanair is also targeting business passengers by flying to more primary airports around Europe and offering the kind of frequencies they need to do business. It arguably couldn't really attract those passengers any significant number without changing its customer experience. And there's no doubt that Ryanair's transformation has been rapid. As the Irish Aviation Awards this year, um, it even won uh, the Gong for customer service. <laughs> something that you couldn't, you would have thought, was unthinkable a couple of years ago. For passengers, though, the real proof is in the pre-flight and pre- and the in-flight in experience. There are many. Uh, there are definitely uh, creases here to be ironed out. Only a few months ago, my heavily pregnant wife. This is obviously the reporter from the Independent. Um, and my heavily pregnant wife with two toddlers in tow was told by staff to get to the back of a regular Ryanair boarding queue at Dublin Airport despite having priority boarding. She was too frazzled at the time to kick up a big fuss, but those kind of unpleasant wrinkles in the service will continue to bug passengers.
0: Wow. <laughs> I do love giving you the long stories, but Yeah, indeed. You
1: definitely did, I know. You definitely did that, yes.
0: So how did Ryanair become the think, Ireland's favorite airline? Well, mm. there we go. Like, well, as you say, I didn't realize that Aer Lingus had been bought out by by the
1: parent company of IAG. Um, IAG, mm. yeah. Mm. IAG, sorry, sorry. I've, uh,
0: I've never flown on Aer Lingus, but they're supposed to be quite a good airline, are airline. They? whether uh, any of our listeners would um, have flown with uh, Aer Lingus would uh, know what their service is like. Give us a give us a shout if you're if you're watching us on uh, on YouTube and you've mm. flown with uh, with that uh, Aer Lingus and just say say hello. Absolutely, yeah, do. So moving on to the next story then on the Telegraph travel site. This one and uh, EasyJet puts an end to guarantee cabin baggage policy. Oh, now if you remember, we've been mm. uh, we've been covering uh, this for a while now. We have, the baggage yeah. stuff and that. Oh, apologies there. That's the parachute <laughs> plane just flying over. <laughs> Stuart, morning, morning Stuart. Yes.
1: Uh,
0: EasyJet no longer promises that smaller hand luggage will be stored in the cabin. Uh, as it replaces guarantee uh, with a charge for a second carry-on bag. So EasyJet has removed its two-tier cabin baggage policy, meaning that passengers could now face the inconvenience of having their carry-on luggage placed in the hold. Up until recently, the low-cost carrier guaranteed that passengers with cabin luggage measuring 50 by 40 by 20 centimetres or less would be able to keep their bags with them throughout their flight. Customers were able to bring a bag up to a maximum of 56 by 45 by 25 centimetres, but those with larger bags risked having their luggage taken away and put in the hold at the gate on busy flights. However, the Luton-based carrier has changed its rules so that passengers might now lose their baggage at the last minute on busy flights, even if the bags fall well within the size restrictions. So what are the size restrictions on EasyJet cabin baggage? So although uh, although bags... Uh, that fall within the size limitations are placed in the hole at no extra cost in such situations. It means that passengers face a weight at the baggage carousel at their destination airport and may be left without essentials packed on a carry on bag. So, the real reason you are asked to hand over your boarding pass at airport shops that's something uh, I've always yes, wondered. Yeah. So, standard EasyJet passengers are now entitled to bring one cabin bag measuring up to the larger size of 56 by 45 by 25 including wheels to handles, but it may have to sacrifice in the hold and busy routes, and it's uh, strictly enforced checks that ensure that no uh, additional cabin bags are carried. One bag of duty-free items uh, from the shop on the airside departure area is also permitted. Mm-hmm. Flyers with privileges are allowed a second bag also, as in the EasyJet Plus program. Uh-huh. Um, it is a shock. As well as those who pay extra for their either flexible fares or more legroom or upfront seats that are allowed to bring another bag, uh, cabin bag up to forty five by thirty six by twenty, these customers also stand the best chance of keeping their carry on luggage in the cabin as they are entitled to speedy boarding
3: uh-huh.
0: uh, and so will be the first to board the aircraft before the space and the overhead lockers become limited. God, it does definitely. Mm. Upfront seats typically cost around £9.99 on top of the ticket fare per person, (laughs) while EasyJet Plus membership costs around £170 a year. Passengers caught carrying hand luggage larger than the uh, 56x45x25cm face a charge of £30 to place it in the hold at the uh, bag drop or £45 at the gate. So what happens to lost luggage? Well, EasyJet's removal of its two-tier policy may mean a standard passengers could feel better off flying with Ryanair, which allows customers to bring one standard piece of cabin baggage measuring 55 by 40 by 20 centimetres, as well as one smaller handbag or laptop case. As with most airlines, however, the Irish carrier does still place some passengers' carry-on bags in the hold on busy flights. The latest tightening of hand luggage restrictions comes after British Airways decreased onboard allowances from the 18th of August. Uh, The National Carrier is reducing the permitted size of its second carry-on bags from 45 by 35 by 20 centimetres to 40 by 30 by 15 centimetres. (laughs) Uh, The size of the main piece of uh, hand luggage, which is often a wheeled-on bag, will remain the same at 56 by 45 by 25 centimetres. So, an EasyJet spokesman did not give the reason why the two-tier policy had been removed, but explained that as of March the 19th, it had been replaced with a second bag allowance for passengers in up-front seats and EasyJet plus cardholders. They also state that they have one of the most generous cabin bag policies with no weight limit, the company added. Mm. Um, I mean, this this is something, you know, that that, that I think more and more people now, if you're only going somewhere for a short period of time, you're not going to pay for a Checked in bag. No, you're going to take no, you're a hand not. luggage bag, mm. and with those, you know, being those limits being made smaller, mm. you're not going to be able to get as much in. No, um, to take away on these. No, certain I mean, it's points. certainly
1: something we're going to have to look into because, um, I mean, we're flying with EasyJet um, to uh, Menorca, mm. and I must admit I'm a bit worried. Th- although I think I think we've actually got a bag um, going in the hold, so hopefully that shouldn't be an issue. I think because because uh, we are going for a week, but. Um, we, I mean, certainly when you go to Ireland and things like that, you never bother. We put in a bag in the hold, but um, yeah,
0: mm, one of those things, isn't it? So I've left you with a with a with diff- yet different another story. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, same company. <laughs> I notice it is uh, the uh, well Ryanair again for me. It's the Irish Times is the website this time, and uh, the headline is Ryanair to take on uh, online travel agent companies uh, with a new site. Uh, Ryanair aims to take on the online travel companies with a new uh, website that will offer its 100 million annual pas- passengers flight price comparisons, cheap hotel rooms and location sensitive restaurant discounts, its chief executive has said. The overhaul of the Ryanair.com site uh, being developed uh, by around 200 IT staffed over, staff over the last 18 months. Why do you need 200 IT staff? Honestly...
0: They um, just need you.
1: Absolutely. In the past, it is, is uh, in part a defensive strategy to avoid becoming dependent on third party sites such as Sky, uh, Sky Scanner, which is great if you're looking for flights on their own, by the way, uh, and Google flights for ticket sales. Ryanair's uh, uh, plans contrast with that of Lufthansa, which uh, is also seeking to direct more customers to its own website but by introducing a fee for booking, um, bookings made using the global distribution systems such as Amadeus, Sabre and Travelport. We want to become the Amazon.com of travel in Europe with a whole load of additional services, price comparison, uh, cut rate hotels, discount, discount f- discounted football tickets, concert tickets, Chief Michael O'Leary told Reuters. We want uh, to be the distributor that goes out and disrupts the original distributors, he said. <laughs> oh dear. Um, The basic function of the new Ryanair.com website will be a fair comparison service that shows the cost of flights for both Ryanair and its rivals. Mr O'Leary last month contacted the heads of EasyJet, Lufthansa, Air France and uh, British Airways uh, and Iberia, um, the owner, IAG, with an offer to share real-time fare data. But EasyJet and Air France have already rejected the offer and Ryanair is instead considering scrapping prices um, using internet tools to show them uh, on the site without their rival 's permission mr o 'Leary said, which is I suppose if you 're using a, a third party um, agent um, you know like Sky scanner for example it doesn 't matter because mm-hmm. you don 't need their permission then to show it. Ryanair, she uh, sees uh, providing price comparisons as essential essential if it's to avoid becoming dependent on third-party websites like Skyscanner, which Mr O'Leary said failed in an attempt uh, a few years ago to levy a charge on Ryanair of €3 per booking. Skyscanner makes money through advertising by charging airline fees for booking rivals. You need to be careful. Uh, We are... We are very wary uh, not to allow Google to become the avenue by which we sell 50, 60 and 80% of our tickets, he said. Ryanair sells 95% of its tickets through its own website, but significant volumes are, are referrals from price comparison sites. Ryanair.com currently sells hotel rooms in a partnership with Priceline Group's Booking.com, but Mr. O'Leary said that Ryanair wants to become a direct distributor of unsold hotel rooms by charging lower levies than rival sites such as Booking.com and Expedia's Hotel.com. Uh, so it really is going after the big news, mm. isn't he?
0: I mean, wh- when you book your, I mean, <coughs> when you book your flights, I mean, probably like me, you always, I just, mm. I go straight to the um, to the airline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I do yeah. search on the on the other sites like Skyscanner and stuff like that. But I I do tend to find the flights work out cheaper when mm. you when you go direct. Yeah. Not all the time, but the, every time that I've looked, yeah. they have worked out cheaper. So
1: yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I mean I'm, I'm mum quite often when she's booking the holidays and that. She'll do that through. Um, um well it's teletext holidays i think is the big one isn't it wow it's a
0: teletext holidays still going very much so yeah you no, know, right. it's all online though now you, 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 all right. you,
1: you i think i think you can still do a red buttony type thing but it's predominantly a, a website only thing now but uh, i mean it was it was the big um it was the big deal wasn't it i mean we yeah. all remember watching those hundreds of
0: pages scrolling <laughs> around on on teletext um but, uh, I have to I have to confess I I, I many many um, years ago did I met I did purchase a holiday via teletext uh, Oh right yeah, yes. yeah yeah well we have we have done before I know. It's mm. it's amazing It is it is as I say But um, the website is still going So is it mm. Okay uh, We have. Um, uh, just got some info just come through via um, our YouTube broadcast from uh, Philip Davis. Oh, cool! He just brought my attention to a story that's just hit the news on Sky News. Mm. Uh, this is just breaking now, and um. a, a Indonesian aircraft carrying fifty-four people has gone missing. Oh no! Um, Indonesian search and rescue agencies are hunting for an aircraft that disappeared over Papua with fifty-four people on board. The Trigana flight failed to arrive in Oxibil o- from Centani as scheduled after contact was lost with the plane, officials have uh, tweeted. Oh uh, the flight list includes 44 adults and 5 children and 5 crew. Mm. Um, there's not any. There's no more information on uh, this particular thing. This is just literally breaking on Sky News as we record the show. Uh, Trigana Air Service um, is... Um, based uh, jakarta indonesia uh, and has a fleet size of 15 aircraft uh, with 21 destinations so the aircraft in question i think is probably going to be the atr 42 Mm. or atr 72 um, which they uh, which they have got uh, they've got three of the atr 72s and seven Mm. of the atr 42 so i'm pretty sure this will probably be an ATR-42-300 right, okay. aircraft. So well, that's well,
1: what we'll do is we'll, we'll keep our, our eye on that. Um, as I say, when we're doing the react sec- section, we'll have yeah. a good hunt around, see if we can find any more so information that is, uh, for you. But that just is breaking late breaking news, unfortunately, that yeah. there's a, basically 50-odd uh, passengers missing mm. in flight, which is never good.
0: Right, so moving on to our next story, and on Flight Global site, this one. And the headline, U.S. airline accident rate crept higher in 2014, according to the NTSB, or the National Transportation Safety Board. The rate of accidents involving flights operated by commercial U.S. airlines inched uh, slightly higher last year, though 2014 marked the fifth consecutive year that no passengers were killed on scheduled flights operated by U.S. commercial airliners according to new data released by the National Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB. In 2014, U.S. airlines operating scheduled and non-scheduled flights under so-called Part 121 regulations suffered 28 accidents out of more than 9 million departures, according to a preliminary report from the NTSB. The resulting 2014 accident rate of uh, 0.311% per 100,000 departures is up from the 2013 rate of 0.248 accidents per 100,000 departures. Uh, that year, the airline suffered 23 accidents, two of them involving fatalities. Still, in 2014, it was a year in which there were no accidents that the NTSB deemed major or even serious, meaning none resulted in fatalities to passengers or crew. Though two crashes in 2013 killed a total of nine crew members, no passengers have been killed uh, on US airliners since the uh, 12th of February 2009 when a Colgan Air Bombardier Q400 crashed near Buffalo, killing 50 people on board. By comparison, the global airline uh, fatal accident rate in 2014 was one event per 2.38 million flights, according to figures released in January by Ascend. But 2014 had its share of accidents involving U.S. carriers, including 13 that caused uh, injuries and 15 that substantially damaged the aircraft, uh, the NTSB reports. There were no complete hull losses among U.S. carriers in the year, um, they reported. Among the most notable uh, of incidents was uh, the aborted takeoff in Philadelphia of uh, U.S. Airways Flight 1702 on the 13th of March last year, Mm -hmm. which reportedly injured at least one passenger. I think that's when they were um, coming over on the slides. Um, uh, Shortly after becoming airborne, the pilots abandoned takeoff. The nose wheel hit the runway first and collapsed. Uh, Passengers were evacuated after the aircraft came to a halt on the edge of the runway. Uh, Despite that uptick, the uh, accident rate involving commuter carriers operated under Part 135 regulations declined 0.635 per 100,000 departures in 2014, down on a rate of 1.186 in 2013, data shows. Commuter carriers were involved in four accidents in 2014, none causing fatalities. By comparison, there were seven commuter accidents in 2013 two of them causing fatalities according to the NTSB. Likewise, the accident rate among on-demand Part 131, uh, 135 operators, uh, a category that includes air tours and medical flights, fell to 1.02 per 100,000 flight hours, down from 1.30 in 2013. So things, mm. are, things are getting safe. I mean, things mm. are still oh, safe. Oh, yeah, without doubt. Um, yeah. I mean, it crept up, as it says there, crept up last year. These are survivable accidents, you know. These mm. um, uh, are ones where, you know, the aircraft sort of kind of lands and, and people have to get off quickly via emergency exits, yeah. which is normally when the accidents happen. Yes. Um, um, you tend to find, I mean, some of the some of the evacuations, as I've seen online, are fairly uh, normal and standard. Mm. Um, you get the occasional ones where people want to get off first. <laughs> and then there's, al- there's always always the ones where mm. people want to grab their, their bags and yeah. suitcases and handbags and... Uh, iPads and, and <laughs> useless stuff before they get off. Yeah. Whilst the aircraft is starting to catch fire, they've got to get their bags off first. Yeah, um, yeah. no, in but then
1: you—I mean, bear, bearing in mind, all right, they—they they said they basically said there's been a small rise in in um, you know this particular issue, but um, you just think, well, when you think flight numbers are going through the roof all the time, and you, you, there's only been—it's you know, certainly the the incidents, if you like, haven't rise. Haven't risen in line with the amount of seats that are now being sold and the amount of flights that are taking place. So as you say, it's uh, although there has been a small rise when you've got that many people flying all the time. I guess it's inevitable, isn't it? You mm. know, you know. But, but it's no, by no by no means is it keeping in, in line with um, um, with uh, you know uh, the, the rise in flights. So it's, it's which it's, there it's, is there's far yeah.
0: more flights and there's more mm. and more flights every year. I, w- exactly. I will just point out that flying is still the safest way to travel oh yeah absolutely if I could fly to work I would mm. yes. um, unless
1: you're in BT obviously. <laughs> unless in you're in BT okay. yeah. yes obviously and that, that is the safest way to travel
0: that's uh, one thing I haven't invented yet a, fly, a coach with wings a flo- they've well, done a car we, with well, yes, wings yes they have though it's called an aeroplane <laughs> 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 okay. you're going you're, you're to say uh, you're going to say Airbus aren't you oh, oh. They, oh you <laughs> see I missed a then, there didn't I yes. air coach oh dear, oh,
1: dear. <laughs> okay, uh, it's um, time then for me to do the next story. And oh, I
0: saved this one especially for you. Oh, this this is story is perfect for you. Is it? Mr. Okay. Tech well, well, we'll
1: see. So anyway, the website is uh, The Blog, and uh, that's uh, via the Huffington Post. And uh, the headline is, Seven Airport Tech Hacks Every Traveller Should Know. Uh, airports are pretty bad in and of... Uh, Sorry, airports are pretty bad in and of themselves. Uh, but the hassles and restrictions they place on our gadgets are the worst. No Wi-Fi, weak cellular re- cellular reception, and, and three power outlets per terminal. Come on. But uh, not every trip to JFK or LAX has to be a brutal experience. You just have to be prepared. Um, here are some of the airport uh, hacks that can help the inconvenience of traversing the globe a little less disruptive disruptive and uh, the first one is charge your phone in airplane mode with the advent of rapid chargers and portable power packs the need to juice up your device may not seem vital however the struggle is still very real one of the longer standing urban myths is that charging your phone in airplane mode fills the gas tank quicker cnet recently published uh, a video confirming the theory so that's interesting Charge your phone in Which makes sense Because you you, your Wi-Fi is off Your cellular connection And everything is all off Therefore you're not Draining power heard, well, Wi-fi, Wi-Fi is the wi- biggest killer And Bluetooth Yeah, blo- yeah So you mm. turn off your Bluetooth mm. And obviously Put your phone in sleep mode So the screen's not lit up And it really should charge In, in no yeah. time at all Number two, use Google Voice to make calls and send texts. Reception at the airport is crap. There's no two ways about it. <laughs> uh, you know this all too well. But what um. most commuters don't know is that if they can still make calls and send texts without tapping into their data plan, uh, all you need is a Wi-Fi connection along with Google Voice and Hangouts. Set up your voice phone number and communicate through there. You can have. Uh, you can. You. You might have to pony up um, for that Wi-Fi though. Uh, number three is carry a personal, personal organiser for your gadgets. Organisation is the key to leading a stress-free life And uh, as you're travelling through the airport. Uh, sifting through cluttered carry-ons, trying to find the end of your charging cord uh, could not be on your list of concerns when moving from check-in uh, to security. A gadget organizer like this is both stylish and useful in securing spots for cords documents, styluses, and a tablet number four is taking advantage of airport lounges to charge devices if you're a frequent flyer there's no way in hell you should uh, you shouldn't have access to any airport lounge despite offering some uh, more breathtaking uh, for mo- <laughs> besides offering more breathing and leg room while waiting for flights they also eliminate the need of searching for an open wall socket near you uh, near you in the terminal Either use your SkyMars to sign up and pay a nominal fee, usually 25 to $50, to gain access to drinks, snacks, charging outlets, and free Wi-Fi. Number five is buy a portable power strip. I think we've all got these now, haven't we? The little yes. USB, uh, USB power sticks. Uh, let all other suckers at your gate uh, fight over the last electrical output at the charging station. Play it smarter by investing in a small power strip like Belkin Surge Plus USB Swivel Charger, which offers three standard AC outlets um, and uh, two USB ports. That's more than enough to charge your MacBook, your iPad and iPhone simultaneously. I'm going to look up look up one of those. What's that? That looks great. Um, but uh, as I said, I mean, well, until recently, EE were giving them out free to all their customers, weren't mm-hmm. they? But not mm-hmm. that there's a massive recall going on, <laughs> on on that, as it were. Number six is secure luggage with a digital tracker. Airports love to lose luggage. Rather than worrying about where your travel bag is being sent, put your faith in a tra- in a luggage tracker like uh, TrackDot. I've never come across these. Uh, crush-proof and equipped with locked bags to deter theft, the little box can transmit locations via a quad-band GSM chip. Letting flyers know exactly where their unmentionables are. Number seven is free Wi-Fi with a Boingo hack. Oh, hello. public wireless act, uh, service offers numerous... Compl- I've seen this, actually, when I've been parked up on the embankment in London. Um, offers numerous complimentary websites for things such as shopping, banking, and news. However, there is a trick that works. Sometimes um, when you connect to the Wi-Fi network and click the good stuff, not get online now. Uh, next choose one of the free sites offered and open a new tab. If all goes well, you'll have tricked the paywall and now you'll have unfettered access. (laughs) I'm so trying that. Uh, Just know it isn't always guaranteed to work. Well, that's just no fun, is it? So there we are. Seven recommended hacks to ease your travel through the airport.
0: I must admit, I've got two of those little power banks and they are worth their weight they in are, gold they are. Um, I agree, yeah. they've got me out of uh, a muddle so many times and they're so small Fit in your in your pocket or your yeah. your, your man bag if you've <laughs> your, got one of those. Your man bag, man bag, <laughs> yes. And uh, no, they they are they are brilliant. Yeah, and some some of them are like less than less than ten pounds. Mm. Oh yeah. And um,
1: well, I, I bought I bought one that was about twenty pounds, and that's got uh, three, two. Yeah, you can charge Three, two u- th- three yeah. USB ports. Awesome. It. But it's man enough even to charge yeah. things like an iPad and, yeah. and stuff like that. It's great. They are worth
0: mm. the worth are uh, definitely one to to look out for if you're looking on the interweb. Absolutely. At buying Absolutely. a little gadget. Oh
1: yes, we like gadgets. Gadgets are good
0: so uh next story then moving on flight global and the headline boeing sees demand for 1740 new commercial aircraft in india Ooh. <coughs> boeing are going to be busy yeah, they are. Uh, yeah. boeing is forecasting demand for 1740 new commercial aircraft in india over the next 20 years with the majority of the requirements in the narrow-bodied market segment uh, in its 20-year forecast the airframer expects the indian market to require 1,460 new single aisle jets and 260 wide body jets and 20 regional jets. This presents uh, 4.6% of the forecast deliveries worldwide, amounting to some 240 billion in uh, value. Uh, Boeing project, uh, projects worldwide demand for uh, uh, 38,050 new aircraft over the next 20 years, about 38%, which will come from Asia uh, India's economy and the country's potential for air growth both for leisure and business continues to be strong and we remain confident in the Indian commercial aerospace market says Dinesh Keshkar, senior vice president of Asia Pacific and India pronounced. sales at <laughs> Boeing commercial airplanes the number of low-cost carriers in the country is also expected to grow uh, to cover more than 30% of the Indian market, says Boeing. Wow, that's an awesome, huge mm. amount of aircraft that is, uh, is. for Boeing. Um, considering you know there there is a backlog mm-hmm. even now uh, with the 737 Max. Uh, is, is, is there on, a right? worry
1: that they're not going to be able, f- able to fulfil these orders? Then, if, they're, if they're, I don't know, if I think
0: behind. I think it's going to be. I mean, uh, I mean, they're saying over the next twenty years. I mean, that does give them a bit of time. Oh yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. Yeah. But uh, you know, it, it's a huge amount of aircraft for Boeing to to, to produce mm. on top of what they've already got. Mm. Uh, you know, being ordered at yeah. the moment. Um, well, and
1: maintenance, of course, because I mean, <coughs> certain certain elements elements of it, I, I presume, is still carried out by Boeing, or, mm. or or is it once 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 the carrier has taken it on, it's their own responsibility? No, no,
0: no. I mean, Boeing obviously have their support um, service, which um, helps uh, the airlines. I mean, I should but, just stress, we're both still struggling with that same
1: cold that I had last week. Yeah. Poor, poor Carlos. <laughs> Every time I look at him on the camera, he looks so tired. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, as you remember, if you smile at the camera, (laughs) if you listen to last week's episode, you'll know that Matt was full of a cold or man flu, as we like to call it. Yes, yes,
1: I'm feeling Um, great
0: by the way, other than you know, Matt. Very kindly, I'm very generous. um, I like to share. Gave me his (laughs) man flu, which I've had this week, and um, I've now got uh, just the the cough section Mm. of that particular. um, a gift left uh, which is lovely. well it was your birthday i thought i'd get you something <coughs> nice oh yes thank you yeah yes <laughs> thanks for that matt
1: okay all right uh right
0: oh this is a story that uh matt picked up on this it week is. he, yes, he yeah, pinged yeah. me this during the i week. did
1: yes are you impressed it's like uh, e- even in my downtime i'm still watching uh watching the news wires for, for things like that I must be learning you know yeah, all you those years of practice mm. so uh, yes it is on the BBC News website and the headline is Orkney Jet Lightning Strike on Guernsey to Gatwick is it Or Or Orkney Or-Orig- Or-Orig- how do I pronounce that or orgney Org- spelled a-u-r-i-g-n-y anyone listening oh, anyone who's watching live please uh, just make sure that i say that correctly anyway so we'll, we'll say or or orgney we'll say orgney jet lightning strike on guernsey to gatwick rook A plane flying from Guernsey was struck by lightning as it approached Gatwick Airport. Um, The jet, an Embraer 195, was caught in a thunderstorm on Thursday at around 11.15 British summertime, but was able to land normally and no one was injured. The the airline uh, did not say how many passengers were on board. The plane was grounded while engineers inspected damage to the rear of the upper tail, but uh, the airline said that it would return to service for the seven o'clock flight. So, damage was obviously very minimal. Um, I spoke See, I always, I always thought that lightning strikes wouldn't make that much difference to an aeroplane because I, I thought it was it hitting ground that did the damage.
0: I mean, aircraft are designed so they can so they can handle kind of a lightning strike. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're normally a burn mark or some. Yeah, it, it's very rare that it critically damages mm. an aircraft I mean aircraft yeah. are hit by lightning all the time you know it happens all the time, but mm. um no this this aircraft obviously got away yeah lightly.
1: well says so the spokesman said that it had been certified to fly after a detailed evaluation, but further work to carry out a permanent repair would be undertaken next week, so it really was a like, just like just a, a light to graze uh, An airline spokesman said we were cleared to to land by uh, aircraft control and no other aircraft operating in the same conditions were similarly affected. Our aircraft landed normally and no one was injured or adversely affected in any way. It chartered replacement aircraft to get passengers to and from London Gatwick uh, on Thursday evening but some passengers complained on Twitter about a nine hour hold up well that's hardly very fair, the plane has <laughs> just been struck by lightning some people just have no patience how would you like able.
0: it if you were struck by lightning well exactly yes, mm.
1: Dave Brooks abandoned his trip after waiting at Gatwick for four hours claiming there was poor communication delayed refreshments and no contingency plan uh, well there can't really be one because presumably the, pl- the planes are all in the wrong places if they don't uh, do that a company spokesman said that One of its ATR-72 aircraft was operating the route on Thursday at full capacity, but due to its size, 72 versus 122 seats, it could not accommodate all the passengers booked to fly on the Embraer sectors. We issued refreshment vouchers at Gatwick and we kept passengers informed. We got back as many passengers as we could, the company said. And I notice at the bottom here, the BBC are now tweeting this uh, Indonesian plane with 54 passengers on board is missing
0: Mm. Mm. We'll keep you up to date on that as yep. we do with the show. Yep. Um but uh, no back to that story then, Matt. Mm. Um, <coughs> sorry. Oh, steady. <laughs> sorry.
1: You're right then. I've just lost my place there. No, oh, have you Okay. It's this
0: terrible flu virus you've given me. <laughs>
1: yeah, I told you I like to share.
0: <laughs> no, so lightning strikes anyway, like we were mm. saying on his aircraft, they're, you know, they they're, they're not I mean there was there was some awesome footage on YouTube not so long back of mm. um I think it was a guy in the in the states had uh, vi- videoed this aircraft being struck by lightning as it flew over, mm. quite high up, yeah. and the air, the lightning was sort of hitting kind of the um, the, the wingtip of the aircraft and then, then coming down to the earth mm. from from the aircraft. And it was quite dramatic, yeah. footage. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, the, I mean these things happen all the time. I mean I've been on an aircraft which has been struck by lightning. Um, I mean God, we've, we've flown through a storm this many right. years ago when I was a child. Mm. And uh, it didn't rattle me at all. I just thought it was amazing. Being a youngster, not worry about anything. But uh, no, it, it, it happens all the time. Um, and like I said, the, I mean, still, it's still the safest way to travel. Come on,
1: <laughs> you really are
0: aeroplane through and I through. I know, <laughs> I know. I love it. I
1: love it.
0: So oh. moving on. Next story, then flight global. This one and mm. the headline: China Eastern to take fifteen A three thirties. Another, another Airbus order. Though, mm-hmm. uh, China Eastern Airlines is to acquire 15 Airbus A330s, which will be delivered during 2017 and 18. The airline disclosed the purchase agreement in a statement to the Shanghai Stock Exchange. China Eastern has not indicated an engine selection for the aircraft, although its current A330, 200s and 300s are fitted with Rolls-Royce Trent 700s. Good. British engine. Uh, <laughs> the carrier values the agreement at uh, $3.6 billion at catalogue prices, but says that Airbus has uh, granted concessions that make the actual price significantly lower. Buy in bulk. Oh, it was it? Yes, uh, yes. Seven a shock. I yes. know. Seven aircraft will be handed over in 2017 and the remaining eight in 2018. Mm. China's State Aviation Supply Company recently opted to take up to 75 A330s, but it's unclear whether the agreement is linked to the China Eastern deal. Uh, these, guys, I mean, these guys fly for me all the time. Mm. Um, when you look on flight radar, yeah. there's always a China Eastern flight um, heading from Heathrow to uh, Changi mm. Uh, but uh, no, I mean that's another that's another a smallish order. But mm. I mean, you know, of, you know, of, of aircraft for Airbus yeah. to produce on top of the as we've done in previous episodes, more huge orders for Airbus yeah. and Boeing. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't think anyone will ever um, come close to sort of getting no, as good as you know no. getting as the orders I, in like airbus and i mean Boeing. you feel
1: a bit for the uh, for the other carriers don't you really where, where there's no oh dear oh dear sorry, that's sorry. it he's off
0: yeah <laughs> i've just turned the microphone i don't want to deafen everyone oh dear. um but no it is good news and it also means jobs as well And you know mm. it keeps uh, all these people around the world that produce all the parts for the airbus especially yeah. which are produced all around europe yeah, yeah. um keeps them in in jobs that's which is good
1: you yeah, know it's all good okay on to the next story then and, oh i fact,
0: uh, this is a story i found earlier this week yeah and also david harris as well he picked up on this and uh, pinged me on facebook yeah and this this is just oh, well, I oh mean, this
1: this could be about you'll if, see why in a minute if
0: <laughs> everyone follows this airlines <laughs> oh, no. route yeah we we we're, we're in trouble
1: Well, well, uh, me more than you, I think, is the the polite way of putting that. And it's uh, basically the this is on MSN uh, that this site has been found. And the headline is Uzbekistan Airways to weigh passengers before boarding. This is not good news. Uzbekistan Airways... Why are you giving me this story? Any specific reason? No? Okay. Uzbekistan Airways is making history by weighing its passengers before departure. A special weighing machine will reportedly be placed near the departure gate to determine the average weight of passengers with hand luggage before they board the aircraft. Please be informed that Uzbekistan Airways... uh, airline carries out the procedure of pre-flight weighing for determination of the average weight of passenger with hand baggage said the airline in a statement according to the rules of international air transport association the a the iata airlines are obliged to carry out regular procedures of pre-flight control passengers uh, weighing with uh, hand luggage to observe requirements for ensuring flight safety speaking to the iata spokesman uh, they said Um, that all airlines have policies in place for low calculations, weight and balance of their aircraft. These policies, in turn, are subject to the rules and regulations of their National Aviation Regulator. The authority, however, stated no mandatory pre-flight, pre-flight passenger weighing policy, as claimed by the Uba, Uzba, Uzbekistan. That's a real. Uzbekistan. Yeah. Uzbekistan. Anyways, <laughs> I just keep having pictures of Borat come up <laughs> every time I see it. Um, meanwhile, the airline has assured passengers that the weighing records will be remained fully confidential. Uh, it is yet to be clarified if there is an individual pal- passenger weight limit. On the airline, and what measures will be taken if the weight of the passenger and their carry-on exceeds the maximum allowed weight? Perhaps an overweight passenger charge will soon apply. Well, this is not good news. <laughs> There's no way. There's no two ways about it. Do you know I, I,
0: when you when you look at it, it's it's uh, the airline uh, uh, the aircraft have a thing, Matt, called weight and balance. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's called. It, it does it. make
1: sense don't get me wrong yeah. I, I mean I, I'm, I'm horrified yeah. but it does make perfect sense because you know really I mean you, the the baggage is all weighed before it goes in the hold oh. um, but the one thing they don't is weigh the ba- is the-, the baggage and the person getting on the aeroplane so presumably they're just doing it by, by way of an, an average and and mm. I mean, there's no. But, I mean, there is
0: there is like there is an average weight for a, a male and an average weight for a mm. female, and the the weight and balance is based on that average mm. weight. Yeah. Um, but you know, it. it I see. It, I mean, if if they had the ability to weigh each passenger, mm. um, and then put those figures into a into a computer, I mean, it would it would it would give a perfect plan of exactly mm. how the aircraft is is yeah. weight and balance yeah, absolutely, yeah. With, the, with the luggage yeah. um but you know it kind of can you imagine that you're uh, an airbus a380 with i don't know maximum capacity 500 say people on mm. plus um and you're weighing 500 people before they board oh, a flight you know, you're going to be I there mean, for it, a couple of weeks yeah well yeah i mean
1: it's going kind of, to it's, it's almost one of those things where it ought to be done in security as you're going through because it wouldn't take any longer for you to just quickly stand on some scales while they frisk you For example, Mm, yeah, Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a funny one. They should
0: be they should they they should have some sort of um, oh pop up on uh, Helios Facebook, Um, pop (laughs) up. um, They should have some sort of thing a scale system where where as you as the passenger walks over the say the gate through the gate when they show the ticket and walk to the aircraft that it will instantly weigh each passenger as they walk over this particular. Platform. You could
1: probably do that with lasers, couldn't you?
0: Mm. Laser weighing would be interesting.
1: Mm. Well, I don't know because because it, it would. I guess it could do calculations based on the individual shape. I don't know. I don't know. But no, I, I, think, I,
0: think, um, I think I think
1: I think security is the sensible place to do such a thing. Yeah. If I'm honest,
0: well, I, w- I wouldn't have thought this would be this would be you know took, uh, brought on by. But it does make sense because
1: I mean you think like I mean because fuel is not calculated in liters, is it? It's calculated in gallons pounds. or pa- sorry pounds. Yeah, yes, it's, course, it's yeah. weighed in pounds, isn't it? Because it's, it's actually a weight that goes
0: into it, isn't
1: it? Not it's measured in weight rather than than in liters or, or, or gallons, isn't
0: it? Perhaps we should uh, give some homework to Pip. And Pip, Ooh, if yes. you're listening, yes. uh, for one of your next segments, um, yes. could you do a one on a weight and balance and how Ooh. you calculate uh, fuel weights and passenger weights mm. and um, baggage weights? Yeah, weight. yeah, yeah there we go, Pip.
1: <laughs> I, I guess I guess the rules are still still the same for the for smaller sort of pro- charter jets as well, isn't it? The, the you know, even if it's only got sort of 12, 13 passengers on board, presumably the calculations are still the same. Mm.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: Well, we look forward to a, a oh. thorough update from the legend that is Pip. Can I? Can uh, uh-oh. I just? Oh, have <laughs> we got some feedback?
0: You're not going to believe this. All right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, let me let me
1: let me guess. The link's gone down. No. 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 no all right. Uh, <laughs> no. Um,
0: Daniel Hannington. Yes. Our very good friend Daniel Hannington. Uh, is uh, he's the what, photo guy? Isn't he's, he? Yeah, yeah old oh, yeah, Daniel, yeah, yeah. he's he is Mr. Photo DH Aviation on Instagram. Yeah, um, he is watching the show. Um, oh no, <laughs> on a cliff top at oh, Beachy Head.
1: S- <laughs> I nearly said a very bad word.
0: Then go he's, away. <laughs> he's he's. Uh, well, I think he's waiting for the Eastbourne Air Show. Oh, John, cool. it must be today. Cool, cool. cool. So Dan's got he's, he's got a picture. He's actually took a picture of himself here. It's on the Facebook page. Oh, awesome! And uh, he's, he's he's actually. Uh, watching the live feed on his um, on his phone. Oh, while fantastic! He's so there. it's working. Then. It must be working. Yeah, yeah, Dan, Dan, just yeah. just send us a buzz, buzz us a message via. Yeah. Um... Please,
1: if you are watching, please uh, get get some messages in because we'd like to when we finish the reactor. Uh, uh segment before we do the military we want to to read out all your dedications so, yeah uh, so yeah get some messages into <laughs> I us can't and do some that. Shout outs That's fantastic. that is
0: dedication thanks dan that is i'm <laughs>
1: looking for i'm really looking forward to looking at that um wh- wh- when we have our break
0: it's uh, <coughs> when easy. we get the next batch of t-shirts done we'll um oh we'll, definitely we'll, we'll i think so be- yes. beans as dan did help me at uh course, at react this year we'll we'll uh, yeah. we'll blip uh definitely uh, blip, blip yeah, a little yeah, t-shirt across absolutely. yeah
1: i think you should yes absolutely. anyway the final story final story yes
0: uh, is this you or me? Is, is it, it me? I don't, I don't know. know. Oh, God, I don't know. You read the head. Oh, really? Okay.
1: No, I think it's you. <laughs> but anyway, okay. I've got to change cameras now.
0: Oh, okay. i'll <laughs> oh, leave it on me then. No, 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 okay. no. It's all
1: right. No, 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 no. I'm doing it now. Sorry, Okay. Oh, it's. Uh, do you know, this is so professional, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's I really, really quite You wouldn't stick. tell we're live. No, no, no. We're really good at live, aren't we? Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this is on the Telegraph website and the headline is 14 ways you're being ripped off at the airport. Okay, passing through an airport. uh, You may as well ask a stranger to spend two hours frisking you for cash. Here's how you're being ripped off. OK, number one is getting there on an express service. If you're in a hurry to get to London and London Airport, expect to pay through the nose. Uh, with single fares from Paddington's price at £21.50 in economy class, the Heathrow Express is, pound for pound, Britain's most expensive above-ground rail journey, clocking in at nearly £1.50 per mile. Wow. Uh, a return journey costs £35, slightly cheaper, but even but still more than £1 for each of the 15 miles travelled. Uh, the Gatwick Express from London, Victoria, is almost as costly, particularly given the uh, First Capital Connect and Southern services from London Bridge actually get you to the airport in less time and cost half as much. I must admit, I've never actually used the Stansted Express. No, I haven't. And, and I actually
0: go... Uh, one of the buses, actually, one of the uh, yeah. buses, there's one that picks us up here. In, in, Bung- in, in, in Bungie your, and Beckles. Yeah, 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 in, in yeah, absolutely. village. Yeah, yeah National on. Express too. Do mm, don't yep,
1: they, that yep. goes through there. Um, but, uh, and special mention must go to the so-called, oh, here we go, to the so-called Stansford Express. The service from London Liverpool Street is the only train that goes to Stansted. That is not true, actually. I can confirm that's not true because I came back. Um, I had to go via Cambridge um, to get back here. To get back here, but you can go from Cambridge to Liverpool
0: Australia. David Harris would know about that because he is, as well as being Mr. Plane Man, yes. he is Mr. Train Absolutely. Man.
1: Absolutely, but well, I, no, I, I know that's not true because mm. it isn't. It might be the only one that goes direct, as I say, but you can actually catch a train from from Cambridge that that one of the services stops at Stansted. So, uh, so that's not true. Uh, but anyway, um, to call uh, to call something express would suggest that there is an alternative slower service. Uh, this isn't the case for Stansted Express. It's just a train to Stansted. Uh, the second one, and the obvious one, which I think we've covered on several occasions, is parking your car to avoid those rip off rail fares you decide to drive. But a couple of years ago, it was discovered that parking a car at many of Britain's airports is more expensive than parking the actual aeroplane. <laughs> the most expensive is found to be Heathrow, with charges of up to £51.80 for 24 hours. Obviously, that's not true if you go to the long haul. And I know Mum's got a very, very good deal on the, I think we've mentioned it before, where you do the valet parking. Um, the sort of pick up and go type um, thing. And uh, that actually worked out to be cheaper this time round than using the long haul, uh, long, the long stay. Uh, number three is kiss and drop fees.
3: Oh,
1: <laughs> that's nice. So you ask a loved one to ferry you to and from the airport, but even that comes <coughs> at a price. Research last summer found that just 6 Of Britain's 24 airports allow drivers to drop off and pick up passengers directly in front of the terminal building free of charge. Among the most expensive is Luton. It charges £2.50 for up to 15 minutes outside the main terminal. Drivers who stay beyond 15 minutes must pay £5. No prolonged weepy goodbyes then. Uh, Those who hang around uh, for more than 30 minutes must pay £11. I think it's safe to say that at Stansted, Bert, who... uh, uh, does our jingles for us? He dropped me off. Hi at Bert. State. Hi Bert. Yes. Uh, sorry, I'll wait because it's the camera's on me at the moment. Okay. Uh, but uh, he dropped me off at Stansted, and uh, you can't you, you can drop off outside, but again, it's like I think it's similar fees. It's two or three pounds to actually drop off. Outside and, you're of about, and you're only there for a And you're only there, literally drop. And and, and there, there, there was certainly no kissing. Uh, <laughs> there was you know there was a quick sort of goodbye, but uh, it yeah, was it was literally. But you can you can actually do it for free, but you have to go to there's a special drop off area in the long hall. Mm. And, you, and you can catch the free bus to the terminal, so you can do it. But as long as you allow enough time, um, so you can have your weepy goodbye if you like at, You know, at the long at the long stay car park, and then jump on the bus. Certainly, it stands. Stansted and it's Stansted. Stand- stand- Stansford Airport.
3: airport.
1: (laughs) Number four is the Wi-Fi charges. Last year, Skyscanner revealed how Britain's airports are lagging behind their European counterparts when it comes to offering free Wi-Fi. I agree with this one. Yeah, absolutely. None of the UK's six... Well, they do offer it, but only for like an hour, don't they? Yeah. None of the UK's six busiest airports, Heathrow, Gatwick, Manchester, Stanford, Edinburgh and Luton, were found to offer unlimited free access. By contrast, almost half... 24 of Europe's 50th busiest airports, including Amsterdam, Copenhagen, Dublin, Frankfurt, Istanbul, Istanbul, Munich, Paris, Charles de Gaulle, uh, Prague and Rome, were. The situation has improved slightly since then. Heathrow began offering unlimited access in July, but at Edinburgh you only get two hours before charges apply. At Gatwick, it's 90 minutes, and at Stansted and Manchester, it's only an hour, and Luton, is just 30 minutes. Well, that sounds about right for Luton, doesn't it? Um, number five, the one-pound fag fee. Back in 2011, Belfast International Airport introduced a one-pound charge for passengers wishing to access the dedicated smoking area, <laughs> angering flies in a need of a pre-flight cigarette. I didn't know that. Uh, Charges for plastic bags Remember to pack a clear plastic bag For your toiletries next time you go Heading to Luton airport Ah yes, no, you you can only get them from the Vending machines at Luton, can't Mm. you Uh, It uh, persists in charging Passengers £1 to obtain uh, One from a vending machine At security, despite almost every Other airport offering them free of charge Now I'm kind of with them on that one Actually, because if you haven't been prepared enough
0: I know, we say this every time Matt if you're absolutely. if you're not prepared for hmm. all you know God for for yeah. for pe- most people fly yeah. once or twice a year yeah. or once a year or you know exactly and we all know what the security's been like yeah, since absolutely. since uh, yeah. since nine eleven and uh, you know if you don't. Do your homework before you go on holiday. We all know about the liquids. We all know about you know laptop taking your laptops out of your suitcase and putting them in a a tray. Mm. And the one that annoys me the more than anything is when people leave their belts on with Mm. massive buckles on, and they've got like watches very similar to to like what I've got, which which is guaranteed to set. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, set the, the x-ray thing. You know, the, the, yeah. when I'm in the queue which is 9 times out of 10 what you do before you go yeah, through scurry, yeah, yeah. in a queue yeah. I take this off yeah. take my rings off yeah. take my belt buckle off because yeah, 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 I've got the yeah. seat belt buckle belt that I brought yeah. and um, um, I take all that off stick them in my suitcase yeah. along with my change my yeah. mobile phone mm. and I walk through the door no beep, beep, beeps.
1: No, exactly. I mean, I, I, I've been having a problem where, because the shoes that I quite often wear when I fly through... and Steelys? Uh, well, no, no. <laughs> uh, they're often my trainers, but uh, at work there are little sharp metal bits that I have been accidentally right, okay. picking up when I've been walking through the workshop. Uh, <laughs> and so I've actually started taking them off uh, well, I think I think in fact actually they ask you to now, don't they? Because I don't think I've I've been alone when that's been going on. But as you say, it's a, I'm sorry, I, I'm with them. i with I'm with Luton Airport on that one. It's like because if the bag is split and you want to change the bag and you don't mind paying a pound, if you're lazy or you're stupid or lazy, then I, I don't blame them for charging you a pound for that said privilege. Mm. Frankly, anyway, uh, number seven on on said um, uh, yeah number seven on said chart is uh, costly food and drink the liquid uh, rule also means passengers must purchase water and other drinks after they pass through security very few airports have installed drinking fountains despite calls from MPs and in those that have they are very hard to find the price of mineral water is truly staggering with one US retailer Re- uh, recently slated for charging five dollars that's around about three pounds 20 for a 12 ounce so that's <laughs> only a 340 milliliter bottle uh, food can be equally costly uh, number eight is mini toiletries yet another way that retailers have cashed in on heightened airport security post nine eleven. Uh, those tiny toiletries might beat the 100 uh, mil liquids rule but they cost a small fortune uh, a couple of years ago the price comparison website um travelsupermarket.com found that travel sized toiletries cost up to 750% more uh, for example a 150 ml can of deodorant which um hang on a minute would surely be over the 100 limit but anyway uh was found to be available on the on the high street for just a pound but a 30 oh, I see yes 35 but a 35 mil, mil travel sized mm. Version costs one ninety nine from WH Smith airport branches, around 750% more expensive than the other uh, item. But then again, I'm sorry, it's back to the same story. I'm, I'm, Why are you him, buying it from Boots before you go? Exactly. I mean, you Keep my start- wife in business. Very um, much so, yes,
0: I have to. I have to say. <laughs> I have to say. When uh, yes, Gemma works for Boots. Yes, does, um, yes, yes, yes. I have to say that every uh, and I, I, I say this, Matt. Every uh, time we fly, other quality retailers, of yes, course, they are. are not available. But Boots is yeah. best. <laughs> um, every time we fly to Malta, when we go in yeah, in Octu- yeah, September yeah. this year, end yeah. of September, because um, I'm flying out for the air show. Yes, um, yes, yes. We, we did cover that in great yes, game. I know. Yes, poor um, Gemma. <laughs> yeah. when, when we go, when we travel there, we we don't take any toiletries at all, apart from sun but, cream because near i mean there's not many countries in europe now that don't have a aldi or a lidl's true true Other yeah. shops are obviously available of course yes but you can go in these shops and you can when you when you get to your destination you can go in and purchase shampoo shower mm. gels conditioners yeah. You know, the minute not you get cheaper, the other side, yeah. Uh, cheaper than what they are in the uh, in the UK. Mm. And obviously, if you're there for a week and you're showering regularly, yeah, you're bathing hair, yes. um, <laughs> you know, you going to use these. And yeah. it's, you know, rather than take them home, you just oh, leave them say. there. You certainly do. You certainly the cleaners do. appreciate it. Well, I
1: bet, I bet they do. Uh, number yeah. nine is currency exchange. Ooh. Research by the post office last year found that 1.6 million Britons still persist in buying their holiday money at the airport each year, despite the notoriously bad exchange rate on offer each lost out on an average of 12 pounds 56 by doing so again why are people anyway 10 excess baggage fees which i know we've covered loads of times before those costly baggage fees don't uh, end when you get to the airport if your case is over the weight limit things are about to get even more expensive ryanair for example there's a shop uh, charges 10 pounds per kilo for bags that exceed its maximum limit of 15 or 20 kilograms depending on what you opted for when booking. British Airways charges uh, a flat fee of £65 for all bags over its 23kg limit. Virgin charges £40. Number 11 is boarding pass reissue fee. Uh, Forgot about your boarding pass. Ryanair will print that that piece of paper out for you at the airport at a cost of £15, but surely most people like we do, tend to do it on their app now, surely, rather than having. That's one thing so you've always got it with you. I, I need
0: to download that EasyJet app. Mm, absolutely,
1: mm. strongly recommended. Number twelve, air passenger duty. George Osborne has finally started addressing the issues of passenger air duty, cutting the amount paid on long haul flights in April. But each time a family of four boards a flight in the UK, they are still handing over between fifty two and two hundred and eighty four pounds oh, to the cool? government. No country in Europe charges passengers so so much for the privilege of boarding an (laughs) aeroplane. Well done. Uh, Thirteen, airport development fees and passenger service charges. On top of landing, security, and ground handling charges, Norwich Airport, oh dear, Norwich Airport since 2007 (laughs) has levied an airport development fee of £10 per passengers paid by the airline passed on to the passenger. Blackpool, Newquay, and Durham uh, Tees Valley, all make similar charges. Heathrow has what it calls a passenger service charge. It rose to twenty-four pounds and fifty-five pence in 2013, so it could, in Heathrow's words, attract passengers from other airports. Attract? I don't get that. Why would you? It's like, oh, never mind. Anyway, these airports <laughs> seem to believe that they have a right to dip their hands into our pockets whenever they feel short of money. Said Nick. Trend- Telegraph. Uh, Travel's consumer editor at the time. Uh, Number 14, and finally, it is the breathing tax. This oddity is specific to travellers from Venezuela uh, and their international airport, which announced last year that all passengers will now have to pay a 127 Bolivia... Is it Bolivia? bolivar? Bolivian. Bolivian. uh, A £12 tax upon departure to cover the cost of newly installed... Air purification systems. Mm. It's 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 happy days.
0: <laughs> it, it's a it's a filter.
1: It is, and and apparently they're very expensive.
0: <laughs> so there we are.
1: It is, yes, it is. There it is. It is now time. Um, hopefully, Carl can get the details up on his phone of who is featuring. Ooh. But it is time for our RIAT 2015, and it's our penultimate um, section of um interviews
0: yeah our third or is that our 3rd or 4th or fourth, our fourth. Our fourth yes. batch
1: we've got five in all which we will put on the website separately when 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 we've we've put them all out but um yes we have uh, our fourth instalment of our little trip to react 2015 and in today's
0: podcast are uh, we have uh, our interview we done with Phil cavey mm-hmm. and also we've got the uh, little chat that we had with uh, Matty Fab Matt Fab ah, yes 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 um, that was a laugh that was. There's also the interview that um, was was well well yeah. You, kind you of got put, a little gooey, didn't you? I, got, I
1: he, he got a little bit starstruck, which Carlos never does, I, I should stress. He never gets it, There's a wasp near your ear. Is there? Um, yeah,
0: so we've got <laughs> also got the interview that uh, that I was um, uh, told about, that she yeah. was there by Daniel Hannington, mm. and he sort of gave me the heads up. <laughs> and yeah. that's the one with Tracy Curtis-Taylor. Yeah. Good interview. Um, that was a really good interview. She is such an amazing woman. And, so generous um, with her time. Yeah, she was very generous with mm. her time. Um, and, yeah, we've got that interview from that coming up. Right now.
3: Aviation oh.
0: media has. L- nope. Let's try. <laughs> let's try this one instead. That's better. <laughs> okay then. So we are still here at RIA, the Royal International Air Tattoo RAF for 2015, and uh, me and Pip have been very lucky indeed, and uh, we've saved the best till last, and we are on the flight deck of a Airbus 400M. And uh, we're here with uh, Phil Cavey, one of the pilots on the A400M. So, Phil,
2: the A400M, uh, what you like to fly? Uh, very, very easy. And it is, it is a lot easier. I used to fly the C-130J, and that was relatively straightforward to fly. Uh, but this is quite a modern aircraft, and it has things like fly-by-wire and a lot of automation and modern um, modern aids to aviation. And it's, uh, it's really very straightforward to fly. Well, I reckon if we went in the simulator, you guys would be landing it in 20 minutes no problem at
0: all yeah i could definitely have a go at this, uh being a, a sim pilot now at home myself and now learning to fly as well um you know use of the joysticks and I, think I think most children nowadays are used to sort of uh, to joysticks and stuff like that um do you find the joystick using the joystick is uh, a lot easier or more harder than to use a normal uh, yoke control yoke like an old style aircraft
2: well we worried about it at first because obviously it was new um, but after uh, probably literally 10 or 15 minutes using it it was uh, such a straightforward thing to fly and uh, most of us are used to using joysticks of one description or another that no, it wasn't really much of a problem we thought it probably would be, we looked at it and went oh yeah, because all of us flew Hercs and other aircraft with conventional yokes and, uh, and joysticks but the side stick is, is um, really doesn't take very long to get used to at all um, you know, I've, a, I've got probably about 100 hours on this aircraft now and I don't notice it anymore it's uh, it's very straightforward
0: so just for the listeners then some stats on the aircraft and sort of uh, typical speed maximum speed and uh, how much uh, can she carry uh speed wise it's just nicely
2: faster than the c130 so the c130 used to cruise at about um, half the speed of sound this is just under about three quarters of speed of sound so on a typical trip down to cyprus it'll probably save us about an hour's flight time which is uh, just a nice amount of time um payload wise it, it can probably carry about twice as much as the hercules but i think the important thing is you guys have seen the size of the freight bay down the back it's not just the weight it can carry physically bigger things so all of the uh, the latest army vehicles and things that are you know much bigger um than traditional vehicles got extra armor way more fit on the back of these where they probably wouldn't fit on the hercules so it can fit bigger things and carry yes it can carry extra weight as well
4: as we were saying downstairs, whilst this is a, a military transport aircraft at heart, the, the the system, the logic behind there is standard Airbus uh, control logic. Uh, I'm assuming it has all the same alpha floor protection and all the rest of it that you'll find in your standard EasyJet
2: Airbus A319. Yeah, we've um, we've, we've shown a few Airbus guys around the cockpit over the weekend, and a- anybody who's flown another Airbus type is pretty much th- instantly recognises what we've got. The actual cockpit, I think, is very similar to an A380. It's got a few extra military bolt-ons. I know not all all Airbus aircraft have a head-up display like ours, but most of the guys who've flown things like A320, A340, it's, it's a similar Airbus method of doing business. And they, they look at the cockpit and go, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I understand this and I recognize it. It's uh, it's fairly recognizable. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, just
4: looking around, I can see you've got some very nice extra gadgets here. So you've got the heads-up display display. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this stuff down here, yeah, but I yeah, can see yeah. you've got a, an EVS. This is an enhanced vision system. Is that what it stands yeah. for?
2: Yeah, enhanced vision system, which is yeah, it's basically forward-looking infrared. Um, uh, we've not used it much in ANGIE yet, but we've, we've had had some time on it. It, it looks really useful, actually. It looks, yeah. mo- mean,
4: is that purely just for um, for lower visibility approach, or does it have some sort of tactical use?
2: Well, it enables you effectively to see the the terrain surroundings around you, whether it's at night, IMC. um, Now, our standard way of doing that kind of flying is on night vision goggles, so it won't replace that, um, but it'll it'll certainly help. Uh, I mean, you've got the infrared cameras on the front of the aircraft, and we've seen today, you know, we've had had it up and operating just on the ground, and you can actually see a fairly good image of what's in front of the aircraft. And even if you put um, something like a piece of cardboard behind a head-up display, the image is still projected on it, so as you're flying along, still looking out, even though you know it may be dark outside, you can see what's in front of the aircraft. So it won't replace it won't replace things like night vision goggles and things like that when we when we're flying that sort of mission. But it'll it'll add extra. It'll give us extra tools in the box.
4: I've heard pilots before talking about when the, when they've uh, first gone to the heads up displays, they found it quite a distraction, something to get used to. But after a while they find it something they can't live without. It's kind of like electric yeah. windows in your car once you've had it. You yeah. can't possibly not have it.
2: Yeah, do you feel that's very that true. Yeah, we all feel that way. Well, initially, it's uh, because it's new, you sit there and you go, oh, my, you know, we're all trained on conventional aircraft, certainly people my age, a conventional aircraft with conventional instruments. And when you first look at the HUD, it's got a lot of information in it, often more than you actually need for that particular stage of flight. But as soon as you, uh, as soon as you get used to it, you can't go back the other way. We do train the other way, just in case, obviously, that head-up display fails but it's, it's a very, very easy thing to fly on. And, um, and because of the scale of it as well, it's very, very easy to fly accurately because any small errors, um, uh, are, because of the scale it's projected on, small errors look quite big when you're looking for a head-up display. So you find yourself flying much more accurately, you know, five knots off speed in a head-up display it looks enormous. And if you're slightly off attitude in a head-up display, it, it's really, really obvious. So it's very easy to fly, fly accurately.
4: Can I ask you, uh, six weeks ago or maybe two months ago, we had this uh, A400 crash down in Seville, which I think has been attributed to some software issues with a fuel control unit. Yeah. What, um, do you have any more information, or has that had any effect on the way you're operating the aircraft?
2: Well, I think uh, I think most of the information is out in the general domain now, and was effectively uh, an absence of some engine data post the software download. And so once the aircraft um, got airborne, it effectively was looking for some data that wasn't there because of a corrupt data download, uh, which caused some implications in terms of the power that the, the crew were able to um, get from the engines. Um, we went into I we I can't remember how many weeks it was. We were on the ground now, but it's, it was four or five, while we checked our own aircraft out made sure they were perfectly safe and also just had a look at the circumstances behind how it occurred. Um, and, and there was a, a very rigorous process to make sure that all the aircraft were... You know safe before we got onto them and we were quite interested obviously to make sure, sure. they were uh, you know thoroughly checked over before we started flying again yeah. that happened uh, and you know it uh, hopefully lessons have been learned from that and um, we have added extra checks to ours before we go flying each time to you know prevent any similar reoccurrence occurring sure but
4: it seems that was just a problem affecting that one particular airframe just bad luck almost for those guys
2: yeah it was It um they uh, they obviously checked all our aircraft for uh, similar problems and it didn't have, It uh, it wasn't present so uh, it, it was. It wasn't an issue for us. Okay. Now,
4: um, moving on slightly, were, were you flying the, the display earlier
2: today? No, we um, for this year. Because I mean, this aircraft we stood in at the moment, we've only had two months, oh. so the aircraft are, are, are pretty new. Um, so what we said for this year is we'll we'll do the um, static display. Um, most of the pilots, we haven't got a huge number of pilots qualified on it at the moment. And of those that are qualified, we've probably only got maybe 100 to 200 hours on it. So the experience levels are still you know, fairly low. So we'll maybe look at developing a display either next year or, or the year after that, depending on you know what the workload's like this year, um, how the pilot experience levels can be increased over the next 12 months. So.
4: I mean, how do you deal with that from a, for an operational point of view, for getting guys up and ready for frontline action, uh, if you like? Obviously, you've got a rigorous training program, but do they... Um, learn on the job you know do they learn whilst doing missions or are they
2: strictly UK based before they're ready to be released you'd probably take the same common sense attitude you would if you were learning any new skill and most of the guys if you imagine you were trying to choose a team of people to st- start flying the new airplane you choose your experienced guys from the C-130 and the C-130J uh, sorry the C-130J and the um, C-17 fleets because in many ways in terms of cockpit layout and the way we operate the aircraft they're mo- they're the most similar so operationally, you know, the, the, the things you have to do operationally don't change enormously, but you take experienced guys who would be able to cope with that anyway. Um, the priority this year is to get guys uh, experience on the new aircraft and write the courses, do all the course design for teaching guys those skills. So the small number of pilots we've got at the moment. Operationally-wise, yeah, we could do something probably if we, if we had to, but the sensible solution at the moment is actually just to get the training um, courses written, get all the things in place so that we can come up with
0: a, you know, a proper training solution for that sort of thing, probably next year onwards. So the head-up display then, uh, we were talking about uh, just a moment ago, so what sort of um, details can be shown on the head-up display? Anything you would want
2: for your normal flight display, so anyone who's flown an aircraft knows, you know, you need the basics of um, speed, altitude, rate of climb, rate of descent, what the aircraft's actually doing, so obviously you get all of those things. Plus, you have um, a number of other things to do with uh, navigation. Um, the idea being, if you imagine you were designing a head-up display, what you want to be able to do is, both at high level and low level, have guys looking out of the cockpit while receiving all the information they need. So anything from the basic flight displays to um, uh, navigation stuff, and probably later on to do with defensive aids and threats and things like that, will appear in it. Um, that doesn't mean to say we use it you know, exclusively, just use the head-up display, because you can see you know, as we stood in front of all the displays in front of us, you can put other things up down there to complement that. So you can have moving maps, you can have radar displays showing you where the bad weather is. Um, the guys at the moment have got the forward-looking infrared camera showing, showing some imagery out the front. And those are selectable. You can select the what what is displayed on those, like you would select channels on your TV set at home. So you have all the information that you basically need for flight in the head-up display, uh, and then you supplement that with all your navigation things and maps and things uh, on the head down as well. So it's your sport for choice, actually, in... In the amount of information and number of places you can show it, it's very good.
0: So on a on a regular flight, then on a sort of regular mission as such, do you have uh, how many flight crew do you have up here uh, at the uh, at the business end?
2: Yeah, it's designed to have um, two pilots um, and then one loadmaster master down the back. Now at the moment, obviously because we're all getting experience on type, if there's the, the, I mean, there's you can see there's two extra seats. I say, there. There's a lot of seats up yeah. here, yeah. Um, now, we don't need to have those occupied, but while everyone's learning experience, if someone's spare we'll try and get them in one of the middle seats so they can see what's going on and you know learn from what the other guys are doing. So the basic crew is just two pilots, one guy down the back, load master, looking after the load and uh, any passengers and things. Uh, but generally at the moment when you see us flying around, um, doing our training at the moment, you probably have an extra couple of guys at the front just getting experience as well.
0: Yeah, well, we'll look forward to an invite then, Pip. <laughs> yeah. <Are we> g- <laughs> just drive down and come up for a jolly around for some yeah. for, for an afternoon yeah would be great that'd be great
2: so as long as you
0: can make the coffee that's fine that's a- I can make yeah <laughs> yeah he's good at
2: buying donuts as well
0: so i see just behind us and you've got you have actually got a galley you've got yep. somewhere where you can uh heat meals and uh and make drinks and stuff uh and obviously you've got to the usual amenities that you'd uh, have on any any sort of commercial plane mm-hmm. and aircraft really so uh, do you uh, bring your own food or do you uh, do you get supplied with your, your meals on board? <laughs> it depends
2: what we're doing and how long the flight is, really. If we're doing, um, if you imagine doing a low-level sort, you'd be bouncing around so much you wouldn't be able to drink a cup of coffee without spilling it everywhere. But certainly if you're doing long flights, I mean, this thing can hold about 50 tonnes of fuel just under that and burns about 4 tonnes of fuel an hour, so you could fly for 10 hours, really. If you wouldn't want to, necessarily, but you could fly for 10 hours. So we do have the facility to do basic in-flight meals and make cups of coffee and things up on the flight deck as well. Is there
0: a crew rest area on board? Yeah, we stood by it, actually. This is it. This
2: is it, just um, here. Um, There's a basic crew bunk. It's not really used at the moment because um, the sorties aren't sort of long enough. But um, if you were doing um, missions that involved um, huge distances and lots and lots of flight hours, then you could potentially have one crew operating up the front and uh, spare guys actually trying to rest either down the back or up the front to try and, you know, reduce the amount of time they need on the ground before they carry on flying somewhere else.
0: So a bit about yourself then, Phil. How did things start for you uh, with your career in aviation and uh, with the Royal Air Force?
2: Many, many years ago, I, I learnt to fly um, with a thing called a six-form scholarship with the Air Force where they um, basically give you like a, uh, a PPL-type syllabus. And that was, I hate to think what year that was, but it would have been 1980-something... <laughs> And then, uh, then I went to college, and I did. Uh, I joined something called a university air squadron, where I learned to fly on a Bulldog. Um, then I joined the air force after university, and I learned to fly on something called a Jet Provost Mark V, which is a great aircraft. I think there's one here today somewhere it's static. Most of the uh, most of the guys I fly with now have never heard of a Jet Provost because they all you know fly Tucanos and things. But yeah, Jet Provost V, and then I did a bit of Hawk flying, Then I flew the old-fashioned Hercules, the K model. Uh, went away on a QFI on small aircraft. And then went to C-130J, and then nearly three years ago came to this. Um, we had a little team of guys come together who uh, started to write the course for the uh, conversion for this for this aircraft.
0: Is that a big uh, big thing converting from the Hercules? To, obviously, it is with the systems and stuff on board. But is that a huge leap in the actual general uh, characteristics of how it flies between this and the Hercules? I mean, are they a completely different beast altogether to fly? It's very different, but it's also reassuringly familiar. The um, you're effectively
2: trying to do the same task as a C-130, but because it's an Airbus rather than a Lockheed, they just have a slightly different way of doing it. Um, in terms of flying, it's, it's a lot easier to fly. Uh, it's easy to land than a C-130, and it's um, you know if you're just doing general handling, it's a lot easier to fly. So the actual in, in terms of the flying skills, it was easier. The conversion was no problem at all. Uh, the, the time was really just learning the new aircraft systems, uh, the the limitations, the things you can and can't do with the aircraft, and. Um, Dealing with um, the new cockpit design and how to operate it to its best effect, really. But it's, uh, yeah, I think anyone who's flown a C-130J or the C-17, they wouldn't have any problem converting to this. There's a lot of similarities.
0: Awesome. And the future for yourself? What do you see yourself? uh, Are you going to obviously continue to to fly this aircraft?
2: Yeah, well, I've I've got about, only probably about six years to do in the Air Force. I'm hoping to stay on this aircraft while I do it. So, um, course number one for guys from the Air Force learning to fly this from scratch starts uh, next month so I'll be helping to teach that um, and then we'll obviously training up eat. instructors and things as well so I, I, I think the next six years are going to flash by in a, in, a, in a blur of training people to do the course that we've designed so far but also next year we're going to have to start looking at designing the low level course and the tactical side of things so I, I think the next six years are going to be very busy and uh, will probably disappear uh, before I've even thought about it but yeah, my plan is to stay on this Awesome. Any
0: questions, more questions, Pip? No, that's fantastic. Um, thanks very much for giving up your time and
4: inviting us up here. It's, uh, I must say it's a very nice looking aeroplane. It's very nice see you. Yeah, my
0: pleasure. Well, thanks, Phil, for your time. Uh, thanks for joining us on this show. I'm sure the listeners are going to love uh, listening back to this on our next episode. Uh, so from the Plane Talking UK podcast and the Plane Safety podcast with Pip, I'd uh, just like to say thanks very much for, uh, for letting us on the A400M. My pleasure. Nice to see you all. Thank you.
4: You join us again at the Riyadh 2015 air show. Carlos and I are taking a break from the interviewing. We're sitting along the grass enjoying a donut or a couple of donuts. In fact, Carlos enjoyed most of the donuts. I just had one. Uh, but we're very pleased we've been joined here by one of our listeners. And new best friend,
5: it's Matt, Matty Fab. Matt. Good afternoon, how are we doing?
4: Yeah, very good indeed, very good indeed. It's good to see
5: you. Yeah, you too. Enjoying the show so far? Absolutely brilliant, yeah. Anything aviation, I'm there. So, you know, the fast jets, my favourites. Looking forward to the Vulcan. But yeah, just a minute watching these Spitfires, the Battle of Britain stuff, so all good. It is lovely. We're just watching a uh, what is this? A, a Blenheim, a Bristol Blenheim,
4: Bristol Blenheim, which Carlos is saying was the one.
0: That's yeah, it's, it's been restored at Duxford the Bristol Blenheim. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, it's awesome it's to it see it flying.
4: Here it comes now. In fact,
0: have a little listen. We get some audio from this. So, this is a Bristol Blenheim, and here he does the fly past. Nice, Looks nice awesome. Yeah, definitely.
4: In the world, I would
0: have it is the only one yeah Pip
4: oh, cool so what's going to be the highlight for you
5: Matt I'm looking forward to seeing the Vulcan as usual but I like the Typhoon uh, the way it rips through the air and sort of pulls it back end around with it it's be beggars belief really how fast and how tight they could turn but uh, yeah the Vulcan the Vulcan howl I think is uh, looking forward to that in the next hour
4: yeah we, we were just uh, talking about that, we? there's a special noise that the Vulcan makes these F-18s and F-16s and everything can. they're pretty loud but only the Vulcan can rumble your intestines uh, very special. and I believe he's going to be doing a fly pass with the Red Arrows, which would
5: be uh, quite a nice sight Yeah, I've seen that, it was only good on Sunday wasn't it, and they announced a couple of weeks ago that they're doing it on Saturday as well, so I'm glad because I'm not here tomorrow, but yeah, that'll be uh, a good photo up there to get some, you know, good pictures. I think so, I think it's going to be awesome, and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff still to come, in fact we still got
4: the Osprey I think to come
0: yeah the, v, the V22 we, we, uh, we haven't been on that one yet have we Pip?
4: no we uh, need to go back and uh, see if we can chat them up as, as we've chatted up everyone else so far this morning
0: we, we've, I'll tell you me and Pip have managed to wangle our way onto some pretty awesome aircraft uh, today haven't we We're Pip?
4: hugely impressed yeah with uh, Carlos's ability to, to flash a bit of leg <laughs> a winning smile <laughs> to go
0: a long way so Matt, what, what do you think about uh, the, the fact that it's the last uh, season, flying season for the Vulcan then?
5: I mean, it's, it's a shame, but obviously the costs involved in sort of inspecting it and upgrading it would be, uh, you know, it's too big to keep going, but we've followed it every year since it got flying, so we've seen it a good few times. Um, it's based in the so I can always nip down the road at Doncaster and sort of see it whenever I feel the need, but yeah, it's, it's a big shame, it's a big part of our sort of British heritage and history. You know, they've got the Spitfire still flying, the Bristol Blenheim just gone past, so, you know... Be nice to see somebody step in and give a few million pounds to keep it going but hey I suppose all good things have got to come to an end at some point
0: did you hear the rumors online about uh, the possibility that they may be getting a Concorde flying again
5: i didn't and funnily enough i'm down here with my wife's dad he's been saying it's a shame because there's a concord stand here that we're looking at this um, we need to get one of them flying again because that'd that'd be a big crowd draw wouldn't it um but no, I've not heard that, so that's, that's quite exciting news, actually.
0: Yeah, it would be, if they could get it flying in, I think they, I, I, I really truly believe they could get it flying in, because, um, you know, I think one of those in the UK has been fairly well looked after. So uh, watch this space, I think, Pip. Uh,
4: I mean, I think anything's possible, given enough money. I personally don't think it'll happen. Um, the money involved must be huge. Uh, I think they'd have to, although they've kept them in a reasonable condition, I don't think one of the key things, as I understand, when you keeping an aircraft you know long-term storage you need to keep the the hydraulics topped up and the fluids topped up but otherwise if you leave them empty all the seals rot and go bad so when it comes to restoring it you have to really tear the whole thing apart replace the hydraulics replace all the piping the seals and that's gets very expensive but like i say given enough money anything's possible i mean it would be awesome can you imagine concord being here
0: that, that would be a great side to see definitely Can't, it, it would be a fantastic thing to see Concorde flying alongside the Vulcan. Not going to happen, but <laughs> that would be a sight to see.
5: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's been done before many years ago, but before my time, unfortunately. But, but yeah, I mean, I've heard as well, I think I'm sure one of the Concordes, that they have kept the hydraulic fluid in and, and sort of oh, really? in-flight sort of, you know, worthiness. But yeah, hey, I, I think
4: I, it's the one they keep at Bristol. Uh, is it Lowell's or the other one? I forget now. But uh, that one's been kept
5: in some sort of order. Yeah. I mean, I thought Branson wanted to get them flying again, didn't he, a while ago? I mean, what a PR opportunity it would be for him to have Virgin branded down the side of it. <laughs> yeah, <for> but because...
4: <laughs> a PR disaster for British Airways that would be. They would never.
5: Because I think a British Airways still own. Um, I think not, they've still, I
0: still got. Think I've I think they've still, still got. got, got all the what, manuals like yeah,
4: maintenance rights and everything else. So I don't see them giving it up to Virgin, but you never know.
0: So, as a listener of the APG. Uh, of Captain Jeff's show. Any messages for Jeff while we are here together at uh, RIA? Because he's
5: don't, our biggest listener.
0: Yeah, don't let us down on
5: Farnborough. We're all just talking about looking forward to seeing at Farnborough next year, you and my Rick. So um, don't let us down. Keep up the good shows and uh, clear skies and uh, tailwinds.
0: There we go, Captain Jeff. You heard it here. That's yeah, a nice
4: place to
0: finish us off. Oh, oh, a flyby, a fly-by from, 7, from 9, 10, 11, 12, 13... the Spitfires and Hurricanes. <laughs> sound that is. Now can you imagine yeah, Look, with the lots of those in the sky you know, sort of ten, a hundred hundred of those in the sky at one time That the sound must have been... Yeah, That's
4: exactly what I was just imagining, that must have been
5: you know, oh, yeah, it was awesome packing them up, <laughs> in the right context obviously, but yeah, I mean, it's a, a sight and a sound to see in here Fantastic.
0: Excellent. Yep, yeah. thanks for joining us Matt. Uh, yeah, no Stick problem thanks, thanks for speaking to me. me. Still got a
4: bag of donuts here if, uh, if I can keep them out of Carlos's <laughs> greedy hands. Oi! So, Matt,
0: thanks very much.
5: Yes.
0: Thanks very much. Thank you. Take care. Okay, so you join me back again at the Royal International Air Tattoo at RF Fairford in Gloucestershire. And uh, I'm very, very privileged indeed uh, to be standing next to Tracy Curtis Taylor from, well, oh, you fly the.
3: I fly my Boeing and the Spirit of Artemis.
0: Awesome. So a bit about yourself then for the listeners. uh, uh, of, how did things start for you with aviation? Early age?
3: Actually, quite early, yes. I had my first flying lesson at 16, but I didn't start training in earnest until I was 21 when I was working and I could afford a flying lesson a week. So i have been flying for over 30 years, but my real passion was flying vintage airplanes, tail draggers, open cockpit stuff. And, of course, this one is the dream. So having done Africa pressing on now to australia on the first of october and coming to riyadh the royal international air tattoo this is where i launched the airplane three years ago won the concourse here for the best civilian aircraft so i've been back three consecutive years there's always a tremendous response from the public here and all the military people so this is this is one of my favorite places really so very special on the, the summer calendar
0: excellent so a bit more about what you're doing with this aircraft next then because you've, you've done south africa you said um how, how is that and it,
3: Well, Africa was amazing. That was a 25-year dream, to go and relive out of Africa, fly a vintage biplane, you know, through the Rift Valley and through the Sahara Desert. So I did that in 2013, recreating the flight that Lady Heath did, um, the first person to fly solo from Cape Town back to the UK in a light aircraft. And now I'm doing Amy Johnson's flight to Australia. And, of course, Amy famously, first woman to fly it solo in 1930, She crashed her way to Australia with less than 100 hours in her logbook. So absolutely phenomenal courage, determination, and landed 19 days later. She was trying to break the world record. Landed 19 days later, a global celebrity. Um, So I'm not attempting anything like that. It's going to take me about three and a half months. I have a chase plane. We're making a documentary. We have a whole communications and outreach program behind it. So big stops in Turkey. Um, Abu Dhabi, Dubai. I'll be there for the Dubai Air Show with Boeing. On to India. So again, a big stops in India. On to Singapore, and then across the Timor to Australia. And I hope to get to Sydney about the tenth of January, depending on monsoons and things like that. So at any point, I could get grounded with serviceability issues, visa issues, or or weather. I suspect weather will be my biggest problem.
0: That sounds absolutely amazing. I tell you, I totally envy you. I, I'm learning to fly at the minute. Uh, little uh, Cessna one fifty. I'm sort of quarter of the way through the PPL process. But this aircraft behind me, or behind you there, where we're standing next to this, is absolutely amazing. It is amazing. The, the amount of work that you've put into this aircraft is, is truly stunning.
3: Well, I had this aeroplane restored. You know, when I decided I was going to fly Africa, I tried to lease a couple of aeroplanes. I tried to buy... I tried to buy one here in Britain and in the end I just couldn't find what I wanted because I wanted this particular configuration. I have a 300 horsepower engine on this which I needed for hot high density altitudes in Africa. So it was a particular combination and there aren't many of them around. So I had this, I had this restored in Hungary by 3G Classic Aviation. It was a year to restore it. Um, part of configuring it was... Putting extra fuel tanks in the top wing just to give me the sort of endurance, so I can do about 400 nautical miles in this, which is about five hours of flying. So I've got six hours of range, but you wouldn't want to be flying for longer than five hours just for safety reasons.
0: Awesome. So it's a long flight you've got ahead of you. Um, do you have any sort of music of choice that you like to listen to whilst you're uh, whilst you're flying at all?
3: Do you know people ask me that? I don't. I listen to my engine. <laughs> You know, I'd love to be listening to sort of Beethoven or something, but really I'm listening to the engine and, and just making sure, you know, living it. I mean, it's just such a visceral experience to fly low-level, open cockpit, you know, wind blowing through it, wind whistling through the wings, but it's it's wonderful. But no, I'm, I'm very in tune with the aeroplane and the elements when I fly. I wait for the music till I land.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, it's an absolutely amazing thing, I'll tell you. I, I, I mean, I, I'm frightened enough flying from... Uh, you know, a short twenty sort of uh, nautical mile sort of hop in a, in a Cessna, and you're doing thousands of miles. But in this aircraft, it, I mean, it is a truly, it, it's an inspiration for so especially the young people who are you know are coming into the, the Royal Air Force and stuff now. And what you're doing is is fantastic. So, um, but uh, any sort of plans for the future after this?
3: Oh, yeah, lots for the future. I mean, I think once I get to Sydney, the plan is to take the wings off the Stearman and ship it to America, Seattle, of course, Boeing's famous base, fly it out of Boeing Field, down the West Coast, do the Grand Canyon, and then hook up and pick up the airmail route, which was, you know, the, the, the interwar biplane period in America was really focused around getting the mail from west to east. So that's the route I'm going to fly through Wichita, St. Louis, which is really the home base of Stearman's, the big classic biplanes of the Midwest, and then out to the east coast and hopefully get it back to the UK in time for Riyadh next year, 2016.
0: And we look forward to seeing you then. So uh, I'd like to well, well wish you all the best for your journey and uh, I hope you have a fantastic time. Is there anywhere where the listeners can uh, can look for, you know, look for your progress or, or follow you or track you o- online?
3: Absolutely. Um, birdinabiplane.com is my company and my website, so it'll all be run through the website. Um, the Mail on Sunday, we have a media partnership with, with them as well, so it'll be on the Mail online. There'll be loads in the media about it, but, yeah, Bird in a Biplane will find me, or just my name, Tracy Curtis-Taylor.
0: Excellent. Well, Tracy, thanks ever so much for coming on the Plane Talking UK podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. It really has been. It's uh, it's definitely made my day today at RIA.
3: Well, Carlos, listen, can I just say, we all start flying basic aeroplanes, and I've done many hours in Cessna 152s as well, battling with elements and crosswinds. So I completely, that resonates, that resonates with me. But good luck with the flying, and I'd be delighted to see anybody. I've got... You know the aeroplane at various events over the summer. Um, I launch from Goodwood where I'm based, but I'll be there for the Festival of Speed, sorry, the, the Goodwood Revival. But you know, come and see me wherever I am, particularly young people, because you know I understand the difficulties and the challenge and just financing um, flying. But it's you know for me, it's been one of the finest things I've ever done. So press on.
0: Excellent. Well, all the best for your trip and uh, and oh, take care and uh, good luck.
3: Thank you, Carlos. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Blimey, that was a bit low. <laughs> low flying airplane. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed those interviews um, that that uh, we had there. I mean, ov- honestly, she was such an amazing lady mm, to talk yes, to, she was, Tracy yeah. Curtis Taylor. And um, I was, I was really, you know, just just. Happy you were that a she, bit awestruck. I know she no, she gave two ways about it. She, she literally shunned away these um, very suited chaps who were who were there with her. So she could uh, so she could do the interview with me, and that was uh, very kind of her indeed. So oh, absolutely.
1: For that. Well, I I think the thing is is uh, you know to t- t- to be fair <laughs> to her, she is. You know she, and to you actually she recognizes the fact that you've got a real passion for it and oh, yeah. you are the sort of person she, I think she wants to talk to because you are you know learning how to fly you're really getting into it you know it, it's all it's all really uh, it's much more a thing as you say and you sort of, she was sort of shunning shunning the uh, the suited people just to sort of come <laughs> and have a chat with him in his crazy in his crazy t-shirt but uh, there we are know what a really really lovely uh, lady and and what a great interview Carl well done there yes I, thank you I uh, should just stress I was there that that time you were, I yeah. was I was actually frantically trying to get one show together, up and, yeah, uh, yeah up, up onto the, up onto the feed. But
0: also thanks, also as well to Dan Hannington, Daniel Hannington, because mm. uh, he was the one who who messaged me that day to tell me mm. that uh, Tracy was. Uh, you need to get uh, her here aircraft. now. Was the text yeah, message. I know. It? Yeah, no. He, he, so thanks, Dan. It was that.
1: brilliant. It was great. Yeah.
0: So there we go. That's uh, our fourth batch then of interviews mm. from React. We have got one more batch left to come, yes. haven't we? Yes, yeah. we should have, yep. Um, in our next show. And then yep. it'll be back to normal programming with yes. uh, Pip. So the legend that is, Pilot Pip, will return. He's uh, he's uh, frantically putting together some segments is, for us yes. for this show. He's a good man, yes. Now you
1: have an update for us, don't you? we, yeah, we covered I do. a story
0: about this, this missing aircraft. Yeah, we've the update, update. Uh, we've got, obviously we covered this on the news story earlier, mm. um, and that was regarding that Indonesian uh, aircraft, which has gone missing. Mm. And um, the the latest report uh, is to Trigana Flight uh, IL-267. It failed to arrive in Oksibil from Setani, uh, scheduled after contact was lost 33 minutes after takeoff. The internal journey would normally take 45 minutes. Uh, the aircraft had 44 adults, 5 children and 5 crew on board and was due to arrive at 3.16 p.m. local time or 7.16 a.m. our time here in the UK. Um, the airline can't confirm it's crashed. They can only say that contact's been lost with the aircraft. Right. Uh, and uh, the National Search and Rescue Agency chief, Bambang Soliesto, has, uh, has said... Uh, the search is going to be hampered by the fact that it's nightfall there. Oh, um, the Aviation Safety Network ASN, who claimed the plane was uh, 27 years old, uh, tweeted, uh, Sunset and Papua, Indonesia, will hamper search for missing Trigana ATR-42 aircraft. Mm. Um, Trigana has had 14 serious incidents since it oh, became, uh, began operating in 1991, according to the Aviation Safety Network and it's also written off 10 aircraft. Uh, The ATR-42 plane was built in France and Italy, and the National Search and Rescue Agency has said. Um, So, I mean, Mm. uh, it does say along here that uh, the Trigana Air Service is one of uh, many Indonesian airlines banned from operating in the European Union for safety reasons. Really? Uh, So that is all we have so far. Mm. Uh, It's uh, just coming up to quarter past 12 in the afternoon here in the UK. Uh, and that's the story that we've got there that's live feed from sky news
1: mm. it's all a bit uh, bit awful really anyway
0: so we have got, what we got next we have military. some military news yeah. um, so if you're ready for that matt i am yes let's go let's go <laughs>
1: I just realised they, they could see what we did. Oh, during yeah. I didn't think of that. We, we dancing did it. away, we do that each
0: episode. Oh, blimey! <coughs> Rumble, our, our secret <laughs> right. Oh, we have got some people popping up on uh, our YouTube. Uh, oh, yes. uh, Just going to say hello to uh, one of our special listeners as well, Jennifer Parkinson. Oh, uh, she is saying hello uh, from Rome. Oh, um, she's just followed. No, stop,
1: stop reading. I, I, <laughs> I don't want to know. She's in Rome. she's
0: uh, she's just followed Tracy Curtis Taylor on Twitter and looks forward to more news about her adventure Uh, bird on a biplane for those of you and also Masha Gertz Hopefully, I'll pronounce that right again. Mm, yes. um, You'll soon be corrected, don't I worry. Know. That's the joys of life. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, hello. Uh, are you guys still going? Yes, we're still here. We're, we are still you very should, much What's that supposed in. to mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, we still here. Nobody's had a heart attack. Yes, it's all good. <laughs> so, it, it might be something. I'm just adjusting oh, my hello. microphone here. Um, it might be interesting to note as well that uh, Jennifer also recently wore her t shirt, I think, on uh, on a flight that she took. Oh, um did she? yeah i know she wasn't booted it wasn't Ryanair. i hope no 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 no, <laughs> no it wasn't was um... <laughs> Uh Oh, not dear. allowed on yes. no she she recently wore one of our t-shirts on the flight that she went on which is uh great thanks for that jennifer oh mm-hmm. apparently she's just put it's raining in rome very good oh
1: yes. i'd say so <laughs> all right you may carry on with her with her shout out yes, yes. <laughs>
0: I have to say, Jennifer, it's not raining here. It no, is no. lovely it is looking
1: little, No, it's looking a little overcast. Actually, all right, it's cloudy, but it's, not, right, okay. it's not raining, is yeah, it? No, but they can see, can't they? That's the thing. Now, look, because because we're on the wide shot, look, and they can see that it's oh, yeah. uh, overcast. Okay. And okay. Anyway, anyway, we must get on because we we're, we're going to run out of airtime soon. So, um
0: yep, oh, right. Bring... So let's move on with <laughs> <Yes>. the segment. <laughs> uh, military news, then. So you first... remember what we're doing, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First story then. Uh, um, yes. On uh, first story on the Flight Global website, and uh, this one is regarding the uh, upgraded C-130H Hercules' nears flight uh, uh, test flight for Israel. Uh, so the first flight of an Israeli Air Force Lockheed Martin CH-130 equipped with a new avionics suite is expected to take place soon, according to a senior officer from the service. The new suite will make uh, the cockpit very similar to operate than that of the C130 J we have recently put into service, says the officer, with work on the legacy transport almost complete. Israeli's C130s H avionics upgrade is being conducted by Elbit systems at the Air Force's Nevadam uh, base. The package of enhancements will allow the tactical transport aircraft to meet the stringent international communications navigation and surveillance air traffic management standard for operations in commercial airspace. Prior to the avionics upgrade being performed, the first C-130H involved, went, underwent an extensive refurbishment and Israeli in, uh, air, uh, Aerospace Industries <laughs> Bedek Group. This cold is hideous. You've given me.
1: Yeah, I, I told you I like to
3: share. Uh,
0: this involved replacing the aircraft's center wing box and updating wiring documentation. As part of a recognized uh, and reorganization of the Israeli Air Force, uh, is merged its two Hercules squadrons with a joint unit now both flying the C-130H and the new generation J model. Now, we saw both of these, um, mm. not this particular Did Air we? Force, but we saw, um, we saw quite a few uh, uh, C-130s at right. uh, Riyadh this year um i think we had a we got a picture on our website of one of those ah, yes, but um yes, yes. no this is this is great i mean these these are such m- mega workhorses yeah, for yeah. the military um all the Absolutely. military units and it's got the world.
1: magic word lockheed martin oh, no. so, so you, you don't you don't need to sell it to carlos anymore no uh for that uh, in mind but so moving on uh, next story indeed yes the next story uh is and uh sorry i'm struggling here it's one are you okay yes no it's all right it's, it's, it's we're gonna to have to get someone else to do we're gonna play videos. some lift music yeah no no no, no, no. We, we played that before we started okay so if, uh, it was uh, anyway flight global is the site and the headline is usaf first two combat coded f-35s take flight the u.s air force's first two combat coded lockheed martin f-35s have come off the assembly line at fort worth in texas with the second aircraft completing its first flight last week those aircraft AF-77 and AF-78 are being prepped for delivery to Hill AFB in Utah where they will be operated by the 34th Fighter Squadron, the Air Force uh, the Air Force's first operational F-35 group. The former F-16 squadron, known as the Rood Rams, I don't want to know why, uh, reacted in July, uh, reactivated in July and aims to declare initial operational uh, capability with at least 12 A-model F-35s in August 2016. In the statement on its social media account, the squadron's p- uh, parent unit, the, eight, the 388th or 388th Fighter Wing, said the second aircraft conducted its first production flight test at Fort Worth on the 4th of August. Very soon, both AF-77 and AF-78, our first two combat-coded F-35s, will be taking off from the runway at Hill AFB. The wings, uh, the wings said, adding in a further post that Lockheed has already begun de- delivering spare parts and supplies to the base for maintenance of the first few aircraft. The base is already well versed in F-35 maintenance and uh, sustainment since its uh, Ogden Air Logistics Centre is the primary location. For F 35 depot maintenance. The first batch of F 35s uh, F-35s are due to arrive at the base in September, which will mark the start of the squadron's relatively quick journey through uh, towards IOC. The US Marine Corps' first operational F 35 squadron, the Green Knights of Marine Corps Air Station Yuma in Arizona, declared IOC with the first B model last month. As of July 20th, Lockheed Martin has delivered 69 F-35As, including four um, for the international customers. The Air Force's program of record uh, calls for production of 1,763 jets.
0: Wow. That's amazing. That, that is, is amazing. a huge amount of mm-hmm. jets and a huge Absolutely. amount of money as well. It
1: is. It is, definitely.
0: But uh, I've, I've still. we're still waiting to see one of these aircraft... Um, mm. You know, we're still waiting to see one of these aircraft at an air show because obviously yeah. um, they haven't been uh, obviously brought to any of the air shows here in the UK yet. We uh, had a mock up at uh, React this year, right? Um, but no, it's, uh, it'll be nice to see one of these in the UK mm. in in the flesh as such, yeah. Or in, the, uh, in the in the fuselage, uh, agreed,
1: agreed. in
0: fuselage. <laughs> <laughs> so next story then yes, yeah. uh, on Flight Global: uh, Croatia receives uh, overhauled MiG twenty ones after long delays. So Croatia's Air Force has received, um, all, all, uh, received all its long-delayed refurbished Mikoyan MiG-21Bs on D's fighters and UMD model trainers from the Ukrainian organization. The delivery of uh, seven overhauled aircraft uh, plus five additional single-seat examples under the €13.9 million Euro contract enables the country to field one fully operational fighter squadron and will bridge the gap until a new type is acquired. Croatian sources blame the delays on issues with integrating the new navigation and communication equipment from Czech supplier CLS, as well as changes caused by the digital-to-analog signal conversion. Oh, you should you should be there helping them. <laughs> right. uh, Zagreb says it will claim penalties specified in the contract for the delayed delivery. The final aircraft, serial number 134, was received after final flight tests carried out by the Air Force on the 16th of July and the squadron was lined up and officially unveiled in full strength in the presence of Croatia's top military officials. Romanians Aerostar previously conducted an overhaul and limited upgrade to eight MiG-21BIs fighters for Croatia and added four enhanced UMD model two-seater trainers in 2003. Uh, the Croatian State Defence Council Chaired by President Kolinda Grabar-Kitarovic announced in uh, April that Zagreb was to maintain a combat fixed-wing fleet which restarted a program to replace the fighter force. The uh, Defence Ministry confirms that it uh, sent requests for information to several companies. And emphasis as a first step in the acquisition of the new combat type. Mm-hmm. Now the MiG twenty one yeah. uh are fairly sure that is quite an old aircraft. I'm just gonna yeah. look that up while we're here because that's what we like it's to do it. on the show. Um so yes, sorry, the,
1: all my equipment's busy doing video, so I'm not you know, able no, to he's, do
0: it. <laughs> So, yeah, so the MiG 21, the Mikoyan Gurovik MiG 21, mm. uh, was uh, first flew in 1956 on the wow. 14th of February, so Valentine's Day 1956. was introduced into mm. service in 1959 as the MiG 21F. Mm. Um, its primary users being the Soviet Air Force, Indian Air Force, and the Libyan Air Force. And there's been uh, 11,496 of these uh, fighter jets mm. uh, produced um wow that's quite a big uh, quite a large amount and also ten thousand six hundred and forty five were produced in the ussr wow uh 657 in india wow and 194 in czechoslovakia so they've mm. kind of built them in yeah various it's different countries sets, yeah. uh, but no quite a, that is quite an old jet so absolutely yeah so moving on next story moving
1: on yes the, the next story this is flight global again and the headline is <coughs> Boeing completes uh, KC 46 flutter tests as AMD 2 flight faces delay. The Boeing K40, KC 46 test program has completed a series of flutter tests of the 767 2C tanker type, certifying it to operate with wing aerial refueling pods and its tanker tail boom stowed. Boeing released a video this week uh, that shows the EMD 1 aircraft used. to to certify the 7672C uh, airframe, passing through basic manoeuvres. A spokesman for the company says completion of the flutter test certify the aircraft to fly in the tanker configuration with the boom stowed. The expanded flight envelope comes amid growing concern that the first fully equipped KC-46A won't be ready to fly this summer. The programme has been hit by repeated delays and cost overruns because of wiring and supplier issues. But more recently, a chemical mix-up during fuel system testing and other design issues have caused yet more problems. The spokesman said that uh, there is currently no firm date for the first flight. Right now, it looks to be roughly a month beyond our previous plan to fly the EMD-2 in late August to early September timeframe, he has said. Uh, Despite missing several targets already, Boeing says it still plans to deliver the first 18 operational aircraft by August 2017 as required by its contract. The company uh, recently recorded a $536 million after-tax charge on top of the $272 million charge announced in 2014 due to tanker cost overruns since the aircraft is being developed under a fixed price contract. Oops. I think it's safe to say that that's not that project is not going according to plan.
0: No, so flutter testing. Yes, it uh, flutter is a dynamic instability of an elastic structure oh, in, right. a fu- oh, in a fluid flow yeah. caused by positive feedback between the body's deflection and the force exerted by the fluid flow. Oh. So obviously they're testing. Obviously wing flutter. You yeah. see, uh, if you go onto YouTube, you can mm-hmm. see wing flutter tests they've done on the Airbus A380. Uh, a while back and yeah you know, wing flutter is obviously where the wings will mm. obviously flex like that as the aircraft's right. flying and they can check to see the aerodynamic forces yeah. obviously on those uh, for, stru- for structural things but yeah you know, to, that's sure sure that, to make sure that you know sure. it's not going to yeah. sort of you know bend too far no, no which you definitely but don't all wings do bend yeah, yeah. Um, well so flex I think flex flex is more bend, bend yeah, yeah bends is a very
1: extreme word <laughs>
0: So next one yep. is on the Royal Air Force uh, website. This one, the uh, headline, RAF Valley hosts Swiss Air Force. So oh, we're quite kind here in the UK, mm. aren't we? RAF Valley hosted some colorful summer visitors recently in the shape of seven bright red Swiss Air Force Pilatus PC-21 basic fast jet trainers. Mm-hmm. The Swiss Air Force spent a week at the Anglesey Air Base working with tw- uh, 208 Squadron to gain experience and operating from a foreign location and to conduct flying training with uh, in a different but slightly smaller mountain range with the additional challenges of a coastal uh, maritime environment. Mm-hmm. The Swiss PC-21 is one of the world's most advanced basic trainers. The aircraft can mimic jet engine handling and fighter aircraft manoeuvrability. It can also have the cockpit ergonomics tailored to mimic a nation's frontline fighter type. In the case of the Swiss, the PC-21 is designed to be a trainer aligned to the Boeing F-18 Hornet, the country's primary air defense aircraft. Like most forces, the Swiss Air Force gains much from training away from home bases and practices all elements of squadron deployment from pilots to support personnel. In the operational essentials, the Swiss contingent have been supported by their own engineers and ran their own flight line whilst at Valley, with all spares and consumables for the aircraft having been brought in by road. Recent overseas detachments for our own RAF and Royal, Air, uh, Royal Navy fast jet trainees have seen 208 Squadron deploy to RAF Akrotiri in Cyprus and the French Air Base in Solenzara in Corsica in 2014. Later this year, 6th uh, Squadron will also be heading off to train with the French at Salenzara. Uh, Wing Commander Kidd, uh, Operating command of 208 Squadron, said unlikely most uh, military air arms, the Swiss Air Force do not normally deploy overseas, so this has been a rare opportunity for both them and us to work together. Overseas detachments are invaluable for the Royal Air Force and Royal Navy in the training of our pilots, operations staff and engineers. We learn how to operate in different spaces, climates, but importantly, we learn how to prepare and support British uh, foreign policy through uh, contingent and enduring military commitments. And some quite nice pictures on that website yeah, as well, well on yeah. the uh, Royal Air Force see the website. red
1: arrows there as well.
0: No, no, no. That's uh, that's the, the colours at the oh, uh, at right. oh, no, yeah, yeah, the painting. Because obviously, Swiss is the red yeah. and white, isn't it? With the white cross. Wow. Uh, but the Pilatus, there they are. I've seen one of these in action. And they oh. are they are literally like a fighter jet, yeah. but with a propeller rather yeah. than a jet engine. It's um, scary, really. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. The next story. Moving yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. You right there?
1: Yes, I have. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Ne- next story is uh, that's on the Royal Air Force website. And the headline is uh RAF, oh, this is good.
0: Good people's story. choice
1: image of the year you decide. So dramatic images of the RAF this is obviously on the RAF website. Dramatic images of the RAF, its people, its aircraft and even its animals on operations and ceremonial duties taken by the service's best photographers over the past year are being put to a public vote to define the image. Of the year following the success of last year's first ever online poll in which thousands of people took part raf is again asking for more for the public's help uh, to pick their favorite picture to win the coveted people's choice image of the year category the nine contenders for the title have been chosen by a panel of three experts from the worlds of, of journalism and professional photography at the 2015 RAF photographic competition held recently at the RAF Museum in London. Among the judges are Martin Keane, group picture editor of the Press Association, who said brilliant photography is alive and well in the RAF. Having photographs that depict the amazing work of the RAF go, does, does it vital and the photos are the photos." I have seen today do just that. Another adjudicator, former Fleet Street National newspaper photographer Mike Moore said as a fellow photographer I would have been very proud to have taken such pictures. The high quality pictures I have seen in this competition are a testament to the dedication and professionalism of RAF photographers. The British Institute of Professional Photography Chief Executive Chris Harper said the RAF Photography Awards provided a great opportunity to see the huge variety of skills and knowledge within the RAF, illustrated uh, in some stunning imagery. But now it's your chance to to choose your top shot from the contest. You can vote now by going online to www.raf.mod.uk forward slash photo dash of dash the dash year dash 2015. So it's photo of the year 2015 hyphenated. Polling opens today uh, and uh, closes at midnight on the 6th of September. The winner will be announced at a presentation ceremony on the 11th of September 2015. Now some of the pictures are actually included in here and they are truly stunning aren't they mm. they are many pictures that people would be so proud of
0: I think um, I think Dan Hannington should be, uh, uh, be should yeah. be clicking on here Yeah, absolutely. Dan if you're listening yeah. uh, if you're still listening and not enjoying the air show over there at Eastbourne yeah, too much uh, get yourself over oh, onto yeah. the Royal Air Force website and uh, mm. enter yourself into the competition absolutely, mm. no,
1: it's really good stuff it is really good stuff
0: so, so that's, that's it that's the military segment to yeah, a close yeah, yeah. absolutely um, so, as Matt said earlier on in the show, we have got a lovely, shiny, sparkling new website. We have, yes, and it's very awesome. Matt's done a really good job on the total redesign of our website. Yeah. So, make sure you go over to uh, www.plaintalkinguk.com and um, look uh, look for us on there. And we want feedback, please. Uh, yeah, uh, feedback. if there's
1: anything there that's missing that you'd like us to to add to it, obviously now is the time because it's still a, a moving beast. There's there's plenty of things that we can do to. To, uh, to, to improve it but uh, it's great because you can it directly from the website now you can gain access to all of our shows um, so yeah really really pleased with it um,
0: we have just got some more news just come in um, breaking news again uh, from Philip Davis thanks Philip for sending this uh, the link um, very sad news indeed there has been a, a crash unfortunately uh, in Cape Town Oh. Um, five people have been killed in Cape Town in a plane crash. Um, five people, including a patient, oh, have wow. been killed when a medical plane crashed this morning uh, in the Platte Clough area in Cape Town, um, emergency services have said. The plane that was coming from Nambia went missing off the radar at 6.50 this morning. Uh, spokesperson Mark van der Heavis told News 24... Uh, The call was made to our emergency control rooms at 0750. They dispatched a helicopter to go and search for it uh, at uh, 0803. The helicopter arrived in the Platcloth area and found the wreckage still burning. Cape Town Disaster Management uh, Spokesperson Wilfred Solomons-Jones said the plane went down near Maastricht Farm um, and all five people were declared dead at the scene. Mm -hmm. Um... Van de Kleer he didn't say where the plane was going when it crashed. Uh, the aircraft was a Cessna four four one Conquest, uh, registration Victor five November Romeo Sierra. Uh, this is on the News twenty four Breaking News mm. First website, and that is uh, you know that is just uh, it's
1: not a good day for aviation. I think it's very sad, sad news indeed.
0: Yeah. Um, you know thoughts to everyone in uh, you know affected mm. by that very this much morning. So. Mm. Oh, right, so right on that bombshell, on that bombshell we're going to bring it, yeah. the episode to a close, episode but uh, tell everyone where they can find us uh, if they don't indeed, already know.
1: Yes. So if you don't know already, that is obviously the shiny new website, it's www.plaintalkinguk.com. that's plain spelled P-L-A-N-E. Uh, you've also been able to watch via our website the, the YouTube that we're doing right now, that will also have our latest episode uh, both podcast and audio. I should just stress while we're doing that, um, you probably noticed the video is a bit um, a bit jumpy. The reason for that is because we have a very, very poor um, upload. Uh, for, for the geeks out there, we have a very poor upload stream available to us in mm. this region. Uh, and so what we've done is we've opted for be- you know reasonable quality audio, and um, basically the video is going out at 15 frames a second, which is why it's a bit sort of jumpy. <laughs> so. I know. so But it's better than nothing. It's, it, it still aids to the to the thing so we're doing the best we can but yes it is it is plain talking.com um www.plain-talking.com. UK, uh, on facebook plain you plain talking plain would do. it's because i've been staring at it for days and days uh facebook it's facebook.com forward slash plain talking uk and our t- on twitter our twitter handle is at plain talking uk
0: so some quick shout outs before we go then for mm. everyone who's been following us and watching us live this mm. morning so uh, first off, hello to uh, Pip. Pilot Pip's been watching, uh, well, he watched for a little while. And then he had yes. to, to uh, run off to on his the Pee Wee Cricket, whatever that is. But Pip also went to the Red Bull Air Race this weekend. Oh, cool. So he said that was really good. Mm. Uh, Marsha Gertz, I uh, hope i will pronounce that right again. <laughs> uh, hello to you. Ray Davis, hello to you. Philip Davis, hello to you. Uh, Rob Rusted as well. Uh, he's probably watching the show still. Hopefully, mm. uh, Philip Davis. Yeah, uh, let's scroll down the list here. Everyone who's been watching, uh, Jennifer Parkinson. Hello to you as yes. well. Um, hope uh, hope you're loving Rome. The weather in Rome there. Mm. Uh, um, who else we got here? We've got uh, one just tropped in at the bottom here. Quick one, um, and I hope I pronounced this right, um, which is probably not. Yes. <laughs> uh, back, backer. Bakker. it Bakker. Oh dear. I'm I'm, I'm as good at this as what Captain Jeff is (laughs) on the uh, airline pilot guy. Yeah, indeed show her backer. uh he says thanks for explaining about the bandwidth um, issues with our feed the, oh the, the I see yes apologies
1: yeah, as I say we, we had to opt for because it is a podcast and, and the visual thing is something that we'd like so, to get better at. we are working on it and we are looking at other ways of, of improving it but it's better than nothing
0: so so her if you can quickly tell us where you are that would be great mm, I wonder yeah. where you are where you're based yeah. just before we shut down yeah and, uh, <laughs> quickly now Ma- Marsha Gertz has put uh, <laughs> great show guys so thanks for that yeah um, appreciate it you know, we uh, we try the best with what we've got here uh make sure you check out the new website that matt's been slaving over this week because it does it looks so much so much better yeah. than when i done it because I'm, I'm just i've got no idea of how to do websites oh, God blimey
1: that's right you know it's a talented amateur that's that's the, that's the key yeah. so I
0: don't think we'll be back uh, next week for episode number 74, 74 yes. of the Plain talking uk podcast so make sure you join us for the show and uh, well, we look forward to, to uh, hearing from you all during uh, during yeah. the coming weeks. So, from me, Carlos, yeah. it is a God. I'm tired, and I need to get rid of this cold. <laughs> <laughs> now you know, how
1: I felt oh dear. Here we go. Now you have an know hour. I felt
0: last week. So, yeah, it's true. For me, it's a. Um, I'm not going to cough anymore. No, good luck.
1: Goodbye, everyone. Yes, bye, I'm waving and, at the And from, from Matt, uh, it's goodbye. So up oh, there, we'll let's wave for that one. We'll, we'll say wave goodbye. At we'll wave Take at care, one. bye-bye. Take See care. you se- episode 74 next week. Next week. Bye-bye. bye. <laughs>